What's going on, guys? I'm Connor. Oh, crap. I was going to do Cinema Seekers first. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Connor, you messed it up already. Bloopers. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, guys? This is Cinema Seekers. I'm Connor. And I'm Freddie. And we are going to talk about a movie today. Uh, it's a good movie. It's, um, Freddie, what is this movie that we just watched? It's X2, X-Men United. X-Men United against Randy. what? Well, we're going to talk about that. We're <laughs> definitely going to have to talk about that. I don't think they're really even united against any... I, I guess the... Okay, yeah, I, I see where that came from. But still, it's a weird title. <laughs> it definitely is, because X2, X-Men United, it's kind of like they said X-Men twice in the same title, to be honest. Well, what's dumb about like, what it is? is that X-Men, like the first one isn't called X1, and the third one isn't called X3. So why would you do it for that for this movie? Like, just X-Men United, I don't know. Uh, I, I do have to say, as a smaller child, that was really confusing. Yeah, me too. I always thought X2 was, it was just an entirely different movie series entirely. It wasn't even a part of the universe they were trying to build. I don't know if you ever saw it that way, but me personally, this was the first um, X-Men movie I watched. Yeah, me too. So seeing yeah. X2, I was like, oh, this is his own thing. Because I never saw an X1 or an X3. It was just <laughs> X2, X-Men The Last Stand. There wasn't any other X movie. I mean, there is another X movie called Triple X, but, you know, that's not even the same series. Yeah, so that's... It, it was confusing to me as a younger human being. Vin Diesel. <laughs> Vin Diesel as Wolverine. Oh, cool. <laughs> He's bald, but we can get past that. Anyways, Connor, what... I, what are your what were your original thoughts when you were younger when you saw this film? Oh man, I freaking loved this movie when I was a kid. It is one of the first superhero movies I ever saw. I think the earliest one that I remember, and this is actually the earliest film I ever remember seeing in theaters in general, was uh, Spider Man One, Sam Raimi, um, which isn't that came out in two thousand two, but. That, like, got me on to the superhero scene, and, and I was, like, really young at the time. I was um, five, I think, and so when this one came out in 03, um, I was, like, ready to see it. I freaking had uh, a Wolverine action figure and a Nightcrawler action figure, and <laughs> I'm sure I had some other stuff, too, I've, but uh, this was, like, one of my favorite movies ever when I was a kid, when I first saw it. What about you? Uh, I think this was the first X-Men film I watched. I don't think it was necessarily the first superhero film I watched, but it was definitely when I was a kid, I really loved it because of all the, the action sequences in it, especially. I really loved how, um, especially the, I think, the middle part, whenever you get to see them kind of, whenever Wolverine's killing all of the people in the mansion because they're oh invading. I think that was like one of my favorite scenes because... 
it was just cool to see like Wolverine really, really go berserk on some just randos that we didn't really have to care for. Right. And I guess at the time, I didn't realize he was, like, brutally murdering these people. I just thought, yeah, he's just hurting them really bad. No, he's <laughs> killing people. In this. Uh, that first dude that he kills, like, straight through the chest oh, yeah. on both sides. <laughs> <laughs> and right in it's front of Iceman, like, too. Little Freddy, what were you thinking? <laughs> <clears throat> There's no way that guy's coming out of that alive. I, I actually really like that you mentioned that scene as being your favorite, because... That was my favorite scene when I was a kid, and it still is my favorite scene today. Like, I even have that written down here uh, after I watched the movie last night, and it is such a good scene. It's, like, just such a really cool action set piece. The mansion, like, they added more to it in this movie than they did in the first one, and... Like, even him jumping off the balcony and stuff like that. And, like, they're, they, cause it starts out when they're in the kitchen and then they're going into all the kids' bedrooms and stuff. I know we're re- getting way ahead of ourselves, but that's, that is my favorite scene. So it's really interesting that you mentioned that. Yeah. And then, of course, now, uh, now that I've watched it, I have to say, it, <laughs> being someone who really likes film and watches a lot of quality films, I think this film, it definitely stoops down a bit in my film X-Men universe order. It's definitely not terrible, but I also feel like it definitely could have been better. But I think most of the action sequences, especially the ones where they keep it pretty simple with Wolverine and stuff are still actually relatively good and hold up. Mm-hmm. Not all of them do in my opinion, but I still think this is a pretty good film. You could sit down and watch this and have a good time with a superhero movie. And I will say, like, the plot wasn't as good as I remembered it being. It's not nearly... Oh, no, definitely It's not, not very tight. It's... Some of it's kind of co- confusing at the end. Like, I understand it now, and I know I didn't understand it when I was a kid. So um, I really had to pay attention this time around just to make sure I was, like, crystal clear on the details. But... I'll say right off the bat, the thing that I think that this universe gets right pretty consistently is how they do their characterizations, especially how they showcase the powers of each of the mutants. I I love, like, just Iceman grabbing the soda and freezing it for Wolverine and, like, Rogue stealing Pyro's powers to stop the fire and stop him and just stuff like that. Like the way they use the powers is always really cool. And I really appreciate that about these movies. Yeah, that is, that is definitely something I noticed in this movie that they did. They showcased everyone's powers pretty well, even if the characters didn't get showcased as well, in my opinion. Yeah. They definitely did try to, if they had a power, they were like, tried to show it to you, especially if they had a, some sort of part in the plot they tried to give you like this is what this guy does this is what this person does this is what this person does yeah honestly the the more that we're watching these movies the more i realize why mystique was featured so heavily when they kind of rebooted the franchise with the younger actors because she's freaking awesome in these movies and i always wondered when we were when I like watched First Class, Days of Future Past, and whatever that whole little series that they did, I always wondered why Mystique had such a big role in those. But now I kind of get it because like she must have been really popular back then because they like do a really good job at characterizing her in these movies. 
Well, also in those movies that they made, it was Jennifer Lawrence playing her. So, well, they, I, yeah, I, I, I'm specifically referencing X1, X2, just the character, and X3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I love um, all of her scenes pretty much in this movie specifically in X2. Yeah, I know that. That's another thing they did. They really showcased her in this movie, especially. Yeah. But unfortunately, we're not talking about this right now. In my opinion, it gets it's almost wasted because of what happens in the next one. I I can't even remember. So, what, oh yeah, I do. Yep. She just. She, uh, we'll talk about it. Yeah, that'll it, be next week. <laughs> in, in depth, more, but that is a conversation for next time. What was going on at the time of this movie? So it came out in 2003. Uh, what are some other movies that came out around that time, Freddie? Well, uh, I'm going to look right now. I think because this movie was a summer film. So therefore, boom, big Hollywood blockbuster, I think, yep. was talked about. Um, I think because this came out at the beginning of the month of May in 2003. Right. At the end of that month, Disney had a small film called Finding Nemo come out. <laughs> and we know that. I guarantee you that Finding Nemo knocked this movie off the top of the box office whip. I'm sure. But that means X2 had at least three weeks to dominate. As far as I can tell, there wasn't. Finding Nemo was its biggest. Um, entity it had to go up against. And I'm sure Finding Nemo. Knocked it off. Yeah, because as far as superhero movies go, which they weren't nearly as big in 2003 as they are now, but even so, you still had um, Hulk came out that year in June. of June 20th was the release date for Angley's Hulk. And then <laughs> the freaking horrible iteration of Daredevil, which was also 20th Century Fox, mind you came out on February 14th of 2003. So, really, uh, X2 was coming off the hinges of Daredevil from the same studio. So that means X2 was probably the best superhero movie that year. Yeah, um, I'm looking at the domestic box office for 2003. And so I'm looking at the top ten. Can you guess what's number one? For the year of 2003, number one. Hmm. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to go with uh, a Finding Nemo on this one. Yep, you're right. I, I feel like, yeah, because that definitely, you know, I know at this time Pixar wasn't as big as it is today, but it was already growing from the success of Toy Story. So I'm sure yeah. Finding Nemo, bam top box office just because that was just a movie to see that year because that was just a big Pixar movie. Uh, other notable films, you know, are Daddy Daycare, Bruce Almighty, Matrix Reloaded. Yeah, I'm looking at the, so the top 10. You've got Finding Nemo number one, of course. Number two is, and this doesn't surprise me either, but it's Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Um, oh, yeah. Which... I love that movie. We'll have to do those at I some know. point, but <laughs> at some point we'll see. No foul. 
Um, Matrix Reloaded was number three. Lord of the Rings Return of the King was number four. Bruce Almighty was number five. And X2, X-Men United was number six. So they they brought in about a gross of uh, 2.14 or uh, 214.9 million dollars. So is that inflated or just I terms? don't believe it's inflated. I think that okay, that's so just year 2003. Yeah. Um, for reference, Finding Nemo made 339.7 million. I know. Remember when movies, that was a success for movies. Nowadays, if a movie makes that, it's considered a bomb. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's cause also the budget plays into that too. So like if you're, like, can you imagine how much cats spent on their movie? Like, did they even make any profit? For cats? Yeah. No, uh, it only made twenty-seven million. Oh, 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 that's bad. I don't know if you ever. I don't know if you heard that, but yeah, cats. Dang, I knew lost. it did bad. I just didn't hear. I never a had a ton number. Of money. Dang. But it cost ninety-five million. I'm just gonna say that real quick. Gosh. <laughs> only made twenty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> it's freaking horrible. Anyways, we're not talking about cats. We're talking about X2 and all the films that were surrounding it, what it had to go up against. So X2 definitely uh, at the top of its game that year. And as far as superhero-related films go, that was the top film for that year. Because you said it was number six. Yeah. But you didn't mention Hulk or the Daredevil film. Yeah, so... um. Hulk ended up coming in at number 14 with 132.2 million and Daredevil was even lower than that number 26 of the year rank wise with 102.5 million so I mean still a success for that time I guess but not nearly as good especially like the the movie quality as well is not nearly as good but any superhero movie is going to make a ton in that opening weekend regardless of how bad it is i think some more than others of course all right so you want to get into the plot a little bit i got to say the plot was pretty messy for this movie <laughs> like uh i guess the through line cuz you don't really get the plot immediately you I guess you do get it, but you don't even know it's the plot yet, because at the you know at the beginning. Well, that's true. Because uh, it's Nightcrawler. Yeah. Nightcrawler goes to kill the president, and it just says mutant freedom, and you immediately assume, oh, it's got to be Eric. You know, Magneto's got to be doing this. See, okay. But I was really confused because I forgot. Like I, I've always remembered that scene, and I remembered loving it. But I could, I never knew the motivation behind it. And this was probably the first watching of this film where I actually like paid attention enough to understand why, um, like why it was that Nightcrawler actually did that. Because usually I'm just watching an X Men movie to enjoy it. I'm not really caring about the plot. <laughs> but um, th- so I got confused. I was like, wait, isn't Nightcrawler like super religious? Why is he? trying to kill the president (laughs) and so and then of course that gets explained but you're right that's like it's part of the plot but it you don't figure that out until later exactly it's it's not even mentioned until uh it's almost i'd have to say an hour into the film where uh our patrick stewart um professor x says to um 
striker, it was you that did that. And you're like, oh, wow. Because you get a kind of a hint that it was Stryker. Yeah, you whenever, see on the back um, of his neck. Storm and, yeah. So you're like, oh, it had to be Stryker. But it's confirmed immediately as soon as Professor X tells Stryker, you did it. And he's like, oh, you didn't need telepathy to feel like you figured that out. Yeah. And that's kind of like the first hint that, like, you get the plot, but you don't know it's the plot until it doesn't get confirmed officially until an hour into the movie. Right, yeah. Because there's, at, I think the first hour of the film is almost, like, build up to the plot. What do you mean? Like, because the first hour of the film, where it's, I think it's mostly character development. Because uh, we get this, we get that scene where uh, it starts with Nightcrawler, you know, going to kill the president. You don't know his true motive. And then we go to a scene where um, Presser X is like, no, it can't be Magneto. He's not this daring. He wouldn't get the resources. So you're kind of like, ah, I don't know, because Magneto's, you know, <laughs> chibius. He's behind the, the curtains all the time. Yeah. And it's just from there, you know, Logan comes back to the mansion, and it's basically, you know, set up for to reveal the plot, essentially. Yeah. I, it was a little I, I, I odd because it was it was weird because like you I don't think you ever get a scene with Professor X like in the mansion being a teacher and everything except for the very end of the movie so it just felt like oh this is it's not really X Men in a way because they're not you know like in the mansion they're not operating from there which was fine by me like the way they did it i really loved that scene where they like infiltrated the mansion and everything but it happened really early on so like the whole movie they're pretty much on the run yeah they immediately separate you know the mutants from humans like very quickly in this film like even the president has just turned on him like very quickly because of his experience so it's it's right in the way that the president acted because he's scared he isn't know what's going on but he doesn't know that he put a madman on the case to you know diagnose what was actually happening yeah literally the and guy even, who like, set there, him to attack you <laughs> yeah there are like little things that happen in the beginning of the movie like whenever um the uh it when mystique is disguised as the uh senator senator kelly mm-hmm. like you know that's mystique but for some reason, I don't know why, they felt they needed to let you know. Like, they flashed her <laughs> yellow eyes. And personally, from, like, like if you see the first one and then see the second one, I don't think you need that. I think that's a little bit of a waste. Yeah, you don't. You definitely so, like, don't need that if you're just coming fresh off of it. But if you, mm-hmm. like, if it's a, like, if you haven't seen it you, in a year or so, like, yeah, what, however long it took to came out, come out in theaters after the first one, then... Like, that's why they did that. I, I do have to say, like, in the beginning, there's a lot, for me personally, there's a lot of little sequences that don't really add much to the plot. Uh, yeah. And, and those are, I we're, we're going to cover those later in nitpicks, but, yeah. again, this movie, for me, the first hour is build up to the plot. It's not necessarily, like, there are things that are, like, adding to the plot points that you get later, right. but it doesn't truly hit plot until about 
45 minutes to an hour in. That's how I feel. I don't know if you watched it differently than me or felt, felt differently, but that's how I felt watching this film. I mean, I I probably didn't think it was as slow a buildup as, as you did. I don't, and I don't really know, like, I don't know. I It'll be interesting to see as we kind of go through it, but I think we kind of need to do that to kind of to feel it out better. But, of course, it opens with that scene where Nightcrawler is um, jumping through, like, teleporting through the uh, White House because he's, like, pretending to be on a tour at first. And, of course, we find out later that he's not, like, he doesn't know that he's doing all of this. He's just being controlled somehow by Stryker. But, basically, he's he's trying to kill the president. What did you think about that scene real quick? I don't know. Uh, the one confusing thing, you know, he's white in one part and he turns blue later. Yeah. That was, that was a scene where I was like, okay, I don't know what that happened, but it happened. I I was paying attention to that too did he did you do we ever see him like wipe it off or something so there is like one shot where it looks like there's still a little bit of white streakiness left over i don't know if i was just importing that into there but i guess when he teleports it just kind of fades away (laughs) does he like teleport out of his makeup (laughs) i i guess he just leaves a pile of makeup behind (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I imagine it stays in the air for a split second so there's a floating face and it would probably scare the living poo out of someone because they don't know like especially in the White House like you gotta imagine that place is a little haunted like, oh, the smoke itself face, would be scary I know it, it would be unnerving at least but I almost think like it's really weird because like I feel like the real Secret Service wouldn't react as slow as this movie secret services because like at one point this guy you know the guy walks up and he's like do you need help sir or are you lost sir and i feel like if the secret service will walk up to a dude and be like what's going on bro like you you need help let me escort you out of here much earlier yeah that is true they're like they were too nice at first and then just started teleporting then they then it's guns a-blazing after that. Like, it really just, is. And then you get the little I, part, I like, he teleports. And, like, he, they're in the Oval Office, I think, is when this happens. But the, he's teleporting around. And, they're like, one of the guys is like, don't shoot! Because, obviously, he can teleport away and the bullet will go right through where he was standing and hit someone behind him. But then, like, for a split second, he teleports into the corner of the room. And then they're... Like, everyone unloads their freaking guns into this corner of the room, and he's already, like, way gone by that point. So, like, they just wasted, like, 50 bullets just in the corner of this room. And I almost, I don't know how Brian Singer directs, but I almost feel like Brian Singer was like, how many bullets do we have? And they were like, oh, we have this many to use. Use them all. And so they did that, and it was <laughs> almost like, it's kind of dumb, you know. I, I don't think the Secret Service people are that dumb. Because I feel like they would adapt pretty quickly, and if they saw something they couldn't hit as easily, they would more than likely say there. Of course, that's yeah, that's a movie thing more than like a real life thing. For yeah, that scene was was it was okay. I watched that scene twice, and it oh Connor, it doesn't hold up. I'm sorry. What don't I, you like about it? 
it just I they tried to go for like what they did in X Men Days of Future Past before they did it Days of Future Past with um, Quicksilver. Yeah, and it didn't work. Like I can tell me personally, just seeing it, I can totally tell Nightcrawler is on a rig and kicking, and then they make him turn invisible, and then he's kicking again, and it's for me personally, it that that scene does not hold up. That scene wasn't CGI, just the cloud effect and CGIing him out of the scene and putting him back in. Because I'm hmm. sure the rig was there the entire time when they were shooting it. But whenever he moved from person to person, they would take him out of the frames that he didn't need to be in and then have him only in where he needed to be. And me personally, watching that scene twice, Noticing it <laughs> twice, it just is the only scene that doesn't hold, only action scene that doesn't hold up hmm. for me. I don't know. I, maybe it's because my TV's too big and I need to, I need to chill out. Cause <laughs> Could be. I have a freaking 32-inch, so I'm not packing much. Yeah, I have a 45-inch TV. Yeah, that's nice. So, like, it's it, – I got it for – freaking steel and it so i see a lot yeah maybe back in the day on the big screen this looked it looked amazing but i don't know like now that yeah i guess i see what you mean by there being like a lot of wire work in it but Mm -hmm. i really i i do have to say i really do love the way that they visualize the uh teleportation nightcrawler's teleportation as like this kind of smoky mist i think that that's a really cool way to depict that and like i know that there's kind of like a history in the comics with that as well to kind of show that kind of misty effect but i don't know i just love the way it like it's a really good effect i I think it personally i think it holds up still today yeah i i agree i think that's one of the best effects in the film that actually you know watching it on my bigger tv looks amazing what i like about it is just the way like I just like the way they visualize how Nightcrawler can be a force of nature because like, I love the parts where he is suspended in the air, even though it does kind of look like wire work, like he's like attached to a rig or something, but like he does like a roundhouse kick and mid kick he's disappeared and he's kicking the next guy. So just the way that that's visualized it makes it feel like, whoa, okay, Nightcrawler can be a really dangerous character. Like, let's let's use this guy for future movies, but they don't really, so. No, uh, they don't even. In the next one at all. Yeah, but. It's like they, it's like they built us a character and, and it didn't pan out. And the next scene, isn't it the museum? I'm just trying to make sure I'm right. Pretty sure it's uh they're on a it's a school trip at the museum. I think it's the only real glimpse we get of like the uh the school aspect of Xavier's school. Pretty much, and it's not even at the school. Uh, it's at a museum. Uh, I think it's like a museum of natural history or something like that somewhere. I think it is In the York, museum kind of, of natural history. Is it? Yeah, I think that's yeah, what they were going for. Right. And we just we we kind of get introduced to like. You know, the kids, they're definitely a small focal point. Of course, that focal point quickly shifted to um, Jean Grey, who's, I guess, 
I guess kind of getting a feeling that something's not right in her head and it is revealed in the next film that something was happening, but that's the next film. We don't have much context because apparently something happened. I don't remember her ever like exhibiting her Phoenix power in X1. No, I don't think she, I don't think she did at all. You get like a glimpse of it in this one. And of course we know it happens in the third one, but it's kind of weird that she's like, after New York, I was never the same. And I was like, I mean, they never really showed why she was never the same. Like they never showed her using her power to where it was almost like, whoa, was a little stronger than you normally are. Did they? The, no, the, that's okay. This is one of the th- most confusing parts about this movie to me is her whole thing. I think they were just trying to shoehorn uh, Dark Phoenix into it. But, like, you can't just say, like, oh, you were never the same after Liberty Island. What did you do? You got a freaking toad spit in your face, and you got tied to the freaking side of the building, and then you levitated Wolverine up at the end. That's all you did in that whole scene. So the only thing they can possibly be talking about is um, when she goes into Cerebro and, like, (laughs) I guess almost dies from trying to find Rogue. That's the only thing. That still doesn't add up. Like, I agree. I it it is. It, it, it's almost like they shoehorned it in. And to be honest with you, that's what I feel the first hour of this movie was. <laughs> it was almost they were trying to shoehorn things in to set up for later things. But anyway, she's she's like I I haven't been the same since New York. Scott notices immediately and says that line. You haven't been the same since New York. Like, well, I wish we would know why he wants to come to New York, but Scott does. Thank goodness for Scott, because he gave us a line of dialogue that has no real context, besides he knows something that we don't. Literally, her two seconds in Cerebro in the first movie just freaking wrecked her, I guess. I guess so. I don't... I mean, I guess you could say, oh, it unlocked the phoenix in her brain, but it's like, we didn't even know it was locked up <laughs> until the third film of the movie, so it's... I, I don't know. I should stop talking about this because I could go on about this forever. It'll, but. It, we'll get back to it some more later because it comes back up. Then it goes to the little shot of the... You have a little shot with the kids, right? Because it's Rogue, Bobby, and then a new kid who you don't know at first, but you figure out that it's... Not a new kid. Well, Pyro. New actor. Yeah, Exactly. That was, <laughs> I was I was hoping you noticed that. <laughs> oh, I noticed it. When we watched the so first awesome. movie, I forgot to talk about this in the last episode, but I, know, I we saw did. that scene. We'll where, get into it. We'll, uh, we'll have to save this for later. But you're right. It essentially is a new kid, but not at the same time, not really. <laughs> but yeah, go on. <laughs> And so apparently there's these two regular kids, I guess they're human, who want to smoke inside the Natural Museum of History. Keep in mind it was 2002. I guess so, but he is trying to get a light from Pyro. From I don't even know what his real name is. John, that's his real name. Um, Jonathan or something. So like he's that. trying to get a light to smoke his cigarette inside this museum, and John won't give it to him. Which, I understand. Like, why are you gonna go to this one kid for his lighter? Like, just ask someone else. Why? Why is it a big deal? 
so he steals the lighter, which um, can't do that with Pyro, because he's going to come and get you. And of course he does. He freaking, like, controls the flame on the cigarette. Just the embers. Yeah, the embers, basically, because there wasn't a flame. Or, like, the the burning mm-hmm. part. And so he, like, f- flames it up and shoots it in his face, which... Dude, you could have killed him, like, right there. There's a couple times that stuff like that happens, and it's like, you should have been well, dead. It's, it's really cool. I want to know how they did this effect. But, like, the flame shoots out from the cigarette. Like, it doesn't it doesn't shoot back at the guy. It shoots out of the cigarette. Yeah, but it catches so his like, freaking sleeve on fire. That's, that's another thing. I want to know how it did that. <laughs> but, I, when I, but I just want to know how it did that effect, personally, because it, it is kind of cool how they... They had kind of a flame burst out of this little cigarette. Yeah. So I just, I personally, you know, I thought that was cool, but I understand I where too, you're coming yeah. from. Like, could have killed the kid. <laughs> it really could have. Like, he could have died right there in the middle of the museum. In the middle that of guy's hair on everyone. Fire. And he's a mutant, too. Like, aren't you supposed to keep your powers not secret? Like, I get that they want to live and show their powers in the real world, but you're not going to be doing stuff like, like, doing stuff like that in the middle of a public area is not going to help your cause, you know? Yeah, true. But it, it, it thing kind of thing comes up later in the movie too. Yeah, it does. If, if it's going to be any of the kids, it would obviously be him because we see like later on how, I guess he's kind of like a troubled kid, so to speak. After that happens, professor X comes on the scene, but, but right before he comes on, everyone freezes and then, and because Iceman puts out the cigarette, Rogue says, "Was this you?" Yeah, and yeah. it's it's an added in line. Oh, is it really? It was. I I heard it so clearly, like it was definitely a different microphone than they were using on the set that day. <laughs> and it's such a it's such it's a voiceover, and I think a little bit because her back is turned, so you don't actually see her say it. Yeah. So I was like, oh, voiceover. That I noticed. Not good. But anyways. I wasn't paying attention to any of the audio on that part because I was, I had this realization when we were watching it that that scene was called back in Logan where they have the scene where Professor X is like freezing everyone and it's like, it's going crazy basically. Yeah, but he's about to kill all those people in that movie. It's true. But um, I just, I appreciated the callback even though I was, like, watching the original, like, the original version of it in this movie. Yeah, you realized it was, a, it was something that gets called back to. In yeah, yeah. So that was pretty cool. Um, and it's a cool ability, too, but also, like, I don't know. It doesn't make sense because there's going to be a bunch of people who see someone, who see, like, any of the X-Men just move, even if it's ever so slightly. There's going to be, like, a glitch, basically, in their movement. <laughs> and like the entire mass of people are going to see that. True. Especially if you're watching the security footage of that day. <laughs> see, oh my gosh. Like, why, yeah. did it, why did everything freeze all of a sudden? That's true because time isn't stopping. Yeah. Unless he froze the entire vicinity of the, like that museum. Like you have to imagine people out, are outside. Like what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Like, how far did it extend? I'm sure Professor yeah, X is powerful enough to keep it just within the walls of the building, though. True, true. But uh, why did he do that? I can't remember. He did it because he was he was actually kind of 
ticked off at um, Pyro. He's like, if you're going to show off, don't do it here. Or don't do something. He said basically don't act out in public like this yeah. because it will reflect negative, negatively upon the mutants. And the mutants are already going under enough scrutiny. True. It's It needed to be said. <laughs> but like it didn't really call for freezing the entire situation because he didn't that didn't do anything to like help the situation. True. But I mean, it was just, a, it was just something cool. It was just, it. it was just a reason for them to play the little newscast in the background that said that, um, it was like the breaking news that the president has just been attacked by a mutant. And then of course mm-hmm. the very next scene is them in the X mansion talking about it. Like, Oh, what are we going to do? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, we forgot. Um, we didn't even talk about the scene where Logan was at Alkali Lake. Oh yeah, that's right. He walks up and it's it's a very eerie scene because he walks up and sees a wolf almost reflecting his own situation, how it's a lone wolf. Right. And it walks into this broken down place and In my opinion almost, that scene is pointless to the entire movie. Yeah. You are correct, my friend. Again, another <laughs> addition to the first hour of this movie. <laughs> isn't anything but build up to the plot later in the film and other plots of other movies later. Well, what aggravates me about that being a pointless scene is that they could have made it integral to the plot. Like Logan could have found evidence of there still being a base there, like a base of operations that that could have easily played into the plot later on. And he could have been the reason that they went there. Not whatever it was, I don't remember, but it wasn't Logan who found out that they were still operating at Alkali Lake. No, it was, uh, ah, who was it? I forgot who told him it was, like, it was an underground base. I think Raven tells him. Was it Mystique? Did she find it, like, uh, at the little office? I think she tells tells them that this is where they've taken Professor X. I'm pretty sure it's her. Okay. But that happens literally an hour into the movie. It's just stupid. Be- like, why would you even include that scene? Logan doesn't figure anything out about himself, and it doesn't forward the plot at all. And that's all the resolution we get from the previous movie where Professor X is like, oh, you should go to Alkali Lake and, and look blah, 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 blah. So there's just no point of it being in there. And, it, and like I said, the way they set it up, I think they still should have kept that in there, but he should have found, like, a clue or something like that about yeah, the rest of the plot it. of the movie. Mm-hmm. Then then I wouldn't be saying the plot doesn't start. The plot would essentially start right there, which would be excellent. Like, right. it would feed into the plot, at least. It just doesn't... It feeds into a, another movie plot. Like, it's... Yeah, you're right. It's aggravating. Like, it's... It's a good scene because it it's re- Logan almost has a reflective moment seeing the lone wolf by itself. Yeah. But it's like it's almost a throwaway scene at the same time because it's like it's not integral to this movie. Because if I if you can take a scene out of a movie and the movie can go on being a movie, why do you have it in there? I agree. <laughs> like that's the sad thing. It's like uh, it's it's a good scene. But it's not integral to the plot, so it could literally be... If I were to take this movie, put it on my computer, and cut that scene out, and play that entire movie, I'd miss nothing. <laughs> and also, his hair changes about five times in that one scene. Of course, yes. <laughs> I, I think... I was probably set issues or something. Like they, 
they just didn't have their stuff together that day or something. I almost wonder if they like filmed it at the end of the first, like while they were still doing the first movie. And then they were like, oh, crap, we got to put like this wolf scene in there. And then they put that in there like when they were filming the second movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's just it's bad because it changes so drastically. But yeah, it's Mm -hmm. it's just a pointless scene. It doesn't add anything to the movie. And so really the first scene you should get of Logan is him coming back to the X mansion uh, because that's actually a pretty, I like that scene because you get to see like rogue is super excited. And she also was about to kiss Iceman right before that, which is stupid. We'll get to that in nitpicks, but, um, but also you get the great scene of Colossus drawing rogue kissing Iceman and Iceman getting shocked. <laughs> I love that. Totally not what's happened. But it's, it's a funny scene in the movie. I know. I, it, it's, a good, it's a good little scene. Those are my favorite are parts about right. these movies we'll is how them. they like depict just kind of like the school life and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's where these movies succeed. That and like their character, their character moments. Um, and so like, you're right. I love that movie moment. They succeed when they do the school stuff. They don't always do the school stuff. So it's like when you get those moments, you have to cherish them because you right. don't get many. Yeah, you're right. Um, but then basically, like, they're interrupted because they're about to kiss. And then she hears Logan's or she hears the motorcycle pull up, which is technically Cyclops's. And uh, she's like, oh, it's Logan. So she runs out and gives him a hug. And I, I think that that's just a sweet movie, like, coming right off of the first one. And... Mm-hmm. Um, you also get. Well, I do have a question. That brings up a question: like, how long was Logan gone? He left from. He left at the end of the first movie and didn't come I back know, until like this movie. In the last movie, didn't he say like, or didn't he imply that he was going to be there at the X Mansion with her? Like he said, we'll go back together and deal with these these geeks for a while or something like that. He does, but then he leaves. And then he leaves. <laughs> And then he comes back, but we have no, we don't know how long it's been. It's clearly been long enough for Rogue to have relationships and for um, Storm and Jean Grey to miss Wolverine. Yeah, I mean, it was probably like several months. Like, it probably wasn't actual, like, movie making time. It was probably less than that. But, I mean, who cares about the timeline in these movies anyway? No, that's right. Continuity, schmottinuity. <laughs> oh, man. Of course, he comes back, you know, Rogue awkwardly hugs him. I don't know if you noticed that. I think it's a part of her character because she knows not to touch skin. But she definitely right. awkward hugs Wolverine. Like, she puts one arm around him, kind of, and she kind of keeps her neck away from him. Oh, yeah. I always just I thought that it was a really it. awkward hug, but I think you're right. It is kind of like to show her character. It, I think it is her character, but it also it, it also play it could play either way. Huh. Yeah, that's but, interesting. Yeah, it, and then after, you know, she he comes in and she's happy to see him. You know, uh, Storm and Jean Grey are the other first two people who come in. And, right. And see yeah. Him, and they they both welcome him back. Yeah, you're right. Um, and then he, he, it's kind of a funny line because uh, it's just him and Cyclops at the end. And then he's like, your bike needs gas. And he like tosses the keys to him. And then he's like, well, fill her up. And he throws it back. Uh, uh, it's almost like, to me, that was a little bit of a dumb scene. But at the same time, 
it's like it's also kind of like uh, like oh your bike's yours now so that's how i saw that it was kind of dumb but it's like hey logan has the bike now you know is that what it was? I thought he was just like irritated that he used all the cats. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, to me, I assume that it was. It's like Psychops just gave up on ever having that bike. In position again. <laughs> Maybe that is what it was. Huh. That's that's how I viewed it. And of course, the next scene, you know, Logan goes to Professor X, and Professor X is going into Cerebro, and Wolverine is walking in with a cigarette. Uh, not a cigarette. A Cigar, cigar lit yeah. and and at first Rex is like Logan I already have to deal with you smoking in the mansion but I won't have you smoking in here so if you don't put that out I'm going to turn you into a, a how a four-year-old girl a six-year-old something. girl or something like that <laughs> you do that I'll have Jean braid your hair <laughs> <laughs> I love their exchanges I know that was one of my favorite that lines relationship. oh yeah and that's another reason that I was like oh this makes me like really want to watch Logan again but it just mm-hmm. shows like they put I don't know. They did something really well with the relationships in these characters, especially sure they all had dynamic Logan and professor X. I loved that moment. Like, mm-hmm. just like you, like that's such a funny line, but it's like, it's the core of their characters too. And then, you know, professor X, you know, tells them, okay, don't move. And so Logan's like, all right, well, Logan first puts out the cigarette in his hand. Yeah. Which is which- also really funny. It, it it's funny but at the same time i feel like he could have taken it and like put it out on his pants or like put it like lifted his boot up and burned the burned the rubber of his boot i don't know i feel like <laughs> burning himself was a little like just to show make sure you knew he had a healing ability kind of reaffirming that yeah well maybe they like, didn't want maybe he didn't want to burn his clothes maybe he's like i can't that afford too, clothes <laughs> I can't afford this crap. And then but he's I can like, afford cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> but then, yeah, you get like the first hint of what could happen with the plot. But again, you don't know it. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's kind of like a a setup moment because it's mm-hmm. it's showing Cerebro again. Which why didn't they just do that in the first movie? Like. I don't know. I don't know. I guess they didn't know that they were going to do this plot in this didn't movie. Didn't have enough budget to do it, probably. It was cool, though, like, showing how he can... Freaking overpowered, too. Like, he can target every mm-hmm. human on the planet or every mutant I on know, the planet. I know, it really tells you that he has power because Logan's like, well, why don't you just focus more on him? And Professor X is like... I'll kill him. If I wanted to kill him... It's like, dang, if you focus on someone, you can kill them? Jeez, I know. And of course, it's it's really crazy that a mutant has the power to just like... Like, imagine if the wrong person had this power. I know. And they have Cerebro, that's it. If you step on Professor X's shoe, and he's like, I'm going to kill you later. And he goes, and just, bam, you're dead in an instant. And it's like... I just, it's just crazy that Professor X has that much power, you know, because he shows Logan all the humans, all the mutants, and it's like, there's still a lot of mutants, but definitely more humans. And after that, you know, Logan's like, I went to the lake and I didn't find anything. He's like, I need you to read my mind again. And for some reason, Professor X is like, uh, it's, your mind's not a box I can just 
open up, which is a little weird. I, I don't know, maybe because Logan has had memory loss. But yeah. I feel like Professor Rex is almost unwilling to help a little bit, which is weird because he told Logan that he was going to help. I tried to get his memory back. In fact, I think at one point in the first one he says, but it seems like in this one he's a little held back from doing so. Well, I think that's kind of the whole point because like later on Magneto's like, you haven't told him yet. And I think it's just like, well, his reason is he wants Logan to find out for himself. I mean... Which is weird because they they show the dinette between Professor X and Logan. They're almost practically friends, so... yeah. Why wouldn't Professor X just be like, okay, here's what's up? Unless Professor X is just trying to have a teaching moment for Logan. Uh, you can't I question his wisdom, apparently. I, I guess not. It's <laughs> Professor X. He's, he's just a cool guy, but still. Yeah. What's weird about that, though, is that it never gets resolved. Like, because you've got this kind of nope. like side conflict with um, Logan uh, trying to figure out his past and basically Professor X holding back helping him and magneto comes in and he's he basically just tells him outright and he's like yeah i don't know why charles ever didn't tell you and um you just never get like a resolution with logan and professor x so the whole thing with striker is like let's just talk about his plan because he basically used nightcrawler to go attack the president mm -hmm. and it was just a chance for him to get in with the president and get the president's permission to go basically infiltrate the X-Mansion and figure out the rest of what they needed to know to build their version of Cerebro. And what he's going to do with Cerebro is he's going to use Professor X to target all of the mutants in the world on the planet and kill them in an instant. That is his plan. Why does he want to do that? It's something to do with his wife. That's all you get. Like, his wife died because of his son. It could have been done better. Yeah, you don't even get that till later. <laughs> Again, another thing you don't get till later. But, you know, that's when the Senator Kelly comes in. Yeah. And we remember that he was, you know, kind of against... Wasn't he, like, running against mutants originally? Yeah, that was his whole platform, was, like, he didn't want mutants and then to exist. I, I guess Mystique took that and changed it a little bit, or we don't really know if he changed it a little bit, but she comes in as Senator Kelly and, you know, acts like whatever she hears that Striker has Eric, oh, immediately she she wants to know. Right. Like, oh, where, where do you have him? And, of course, you know, the pre Striker's like, he, I think he had this whole speech prepared in case the president didn't go with it. But, of course, the president's like, just do it. But infiltrate, interrogate, and if anyone dies, it's on you, basically. Like, he didn't want to see any dead people on 6 o'clock news. Right, yeah. So. Yeah, that's horrible. You're going to have them have them infiltrate a freaking school. You don't even know at this point if it's mutant school. So as far as the president knows, this is just a normal school and he's sending this guy in there to like go and detain children and 
he doesn't ever follow up with it because he striker kidnaps all of the children in this school like would there not be any news reports of like this school is abandoned well he kidnaps he kidnaps six total the rest get away yeah that's true but he's still like <laughs> there's no one at yeah, the school anymore kids. because they're still presumably at the school like getting uh all the stuff from cerebra for a little while i don't know his plan is just so convoluted it's so all over the place <laughs> right like you get pieces for the first hour and when they're put together it's still pretty weak <laughs> like they're still uh, oh, sad to me because again i think this is the best out of the three and upon this rewatch you know i discovered this and it's unsettling and upsetting to me it's like Next time I watch this movie, I'm going to have to turn my brain off so hard because otherwise I'm not going to have fun. I will say, like, I, I'm not as I wasn't as hard on it as you were. Like, I still um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I was able to track with with the plot of it. It just doesn't really make sense when you think back on it. They just didn't give Stryker any motivation. And it didn't make sense that the president was willing to, like, let all of that kind of go by the wayside, really. He was so willing, he was blind right. to what Stryker's true intentions were. Well, because what, what really makes this confusing is that you've got, like, so many different motivations. You've got the president who is, like, that's the whole political side of things, which is in every move, every X-Men movie. You've got Stryker, who has his own personal vendetta against mutants. Um, you've also got Mystique and Magneto, on the other side, and those are like tying in together right here in this in the scene in the White House because Strike or uh, Mystique as Senator Kelly is trying to figure out where Eric is, and and that's kind of convoluted. And then on top of that, you've got the X Men who are all doing their own thing, and like Jane Grey is struggling with the Phoenix. So it's just like a bunch of threads all at once. Anyway, sometime after that. Um, Mystique is on the trail trying to find Magneto. And so she goes to, uh, I don't even know where this is, but it's some office building. And it's, Never it's apparently where Lady Deathstrike works. And um, she goes there, disguises her, and there's a janitor in the building cleaning. And she goes to her computer and finds the plans that basically they're trying to build so it's like the school plans and then their plans where they're trying to build Cerebro. And they've just got like a bunch of schematics or whatever. Well, at first she, she looks for Eric, remember? She, she's trying to find him first. But then she sees the name Cerebro and she knows Eric helped build it. Professor yeah. X build it. So she then clicks on that and the realization that it's going to be bad for mutants if this goes through she prints all that stuff out. So she makes sure she has proof, which is pretty cool. And I think this is one of the scenes that showcases Mystique in such a great way. Like, I have to say, this is one of my yeah. favorite scenes because it showcases her perfectly. You're right, it does. And it makes you realize how powerful this mutant could be as well. Like, her only ability is shape-shifting. It's such a powerful thing, especially when she can transform herself into powerful figures yeah. and people and get past and even have their voice, their fingerprints. It's just 
crazy. Yeah, the, how the part where uh, where he, I guess she needed authentication. She was like William Stryker. That was like, oh my gosh, you're freaking overpowered. It's, it's crazy. It, but like, imagine if mutants were alive today in the real world, and a human like that existed, dude, it would be so that person could damage oh it would so be nuts in so little time we're already kind of damage so much in so little time yeah or fix it in so little time we're already kind of dealing with that with like all the like the deep fake on the news stuff like where they're like using people's faces and like could you imagine if it was mystique just running around and changing into politicians oh like God. we'd be screwed that would just be <laughs> it would be madness especially if she had ill intentions oh gosh oh. She could ruin the world in hours, not even days, hours. Yeah, it would be game be. over. <laughs> but it also, it's just cool. That's one of my favorite scenes. Oh, it's, that, it's an, you know, it showcases. Her. Every scene that she's in pretty much is like, oh my gosh, like this is incredible. Like she's amazing. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But then Lady Deathstrike comes and you're like, oh crap, she's going to find her. <laughs> but then she turns into the janitor which is hilarious because she speaks in Spanish. Which okay, this is this is kind of a nitpick. How did she know what he was gonna sound like? I guess she could have used any voice. Uh-huh. Like it, it didn't really matter. But um, she speaks in Spanish first, and then she's like garbage. <laughs> this is Javier in the X Men universe, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. But, but then she walks out in the hallway and she passes by the real janitor and the janitor just looks at him like, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't question it either. He just kind of takes it. I would be so confused. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. I thought that was a really funny moment though. Like I really liked that. It, was, it is a funny moment and it, uh, it's, a good, it's definitely a really good moment. Oh yeah. Um. So then... You get, um, I forgot to even talk about this, but they show Magneto, of course, in the prison. Oh, yeah, with Stryker. Right, and there's actually two scenes, so we'll real quick talk about both of them. The first one is Stryker goes in uh, basically to interrogate Eric, and he's, like, treating him like crap. Like, he's got the security guard, he's beating him up. He, like, holds his neck down and puts the little the never explained substance on his neck to be able to manipulate him and control him basically. So he gets, he's getting information from Magneto, which this actually confused me. Was Magneto willingly giving up that information or was he, was Stryker forcing it out of him? And I, I I personally think that the movie wants you to think that he's being forced to do it, but there's that one part where, the, the next scene that he's in where Professor X goes and visits him, he's acting like he did it on his own free will. And he's like, this is a war, Charles! <laughs> like, he goes crazy like it was all his fault. And so I was just confused if he was doing that on I, purpose. I'm going to be honest with you. That is another very convoluted thing because that liquid does so many things in this movie. <laughs> It's like, cause it, so it can keep a mutant controlled, it can dull a mutant's power, it can make them susceptible to stronger wills. Yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, uh, it, it's essentially a Swiss army knife of liquids that is never explained. 
again, another thing never explained. It's not at all explained. So, I, I, I personally believe he Magneto didn't give it away willingly. I think he got it from Magneto, and Magneto was sad to give it to him. Okay. I understand that scene where he does talk to Professor X and he's smiling almost. Yeah. I think he was misdirected in that scene, though. I do, too. Personally, I would have, if, say, I was the director on set, I would have been like, act like you're, um, ah, there's a word for it. You're, you're like, sad about you're in it. anguish, I, basically. Yes, yes, you're like, I didn't want to do this to you, because, you know, they're technically, they're, at the end of the day, they're basically brothers. I mean, not by blood, but by bond. They're brothers. Even if they're on the opposite side of the spectrum, they still love and care for each other. And and that scene, it, for some reason, Ian McKellen made the choice to smile. Yeah, he, he like, again, smirks like he knows something. Yeah. It's just, it kind of undermines their relationship, honestly, because that's the whole point of Magneto and Charles Xavier, is that they're, like these old friends, which they always say that, and he says that right before he smiles, but you're not really... I don't know, it's just weird. Like, you wouldn't have done that willingly, and the movie wants you to think that, but yet they just, they have that weird scene where he's like, it was all my fault, Charles! (laughs) What have you told Stryker? But see, later in the movie, he is in anguish. Like, I know. He's obviously, uh, genuinely upset that he gave this away. So it's like that. That's why one I was confused scene, by it. Yeah, that one scene. I. This is the director's fault. He didn't direct Ian McKellen good enough to keep making because I think Ian McKellen read the script and was under the impression that Magneto was happy about it. Yeah. But of course, later in the script, he probably read, "Oh wait, I wasn't supposed to be happy about that." But it was too late. It was already shot, and I guess maybe they just didn't do reshoots for that scene. Personally, if Ian McKellen would have acted that way, and I would have seen that, I would have been like, "We have to reshoot that because you need to be in anguish. Right. You don't need to be happy about this." Yep. But yeah, you're right. It's very confusing. Uh, I, I don't think that these actors fault or even the script's fault that's the director for not telling him how he should act yeah well and then basically what happens next is that lady deathstrike comes in and um oh they they like release a gas in the prison cell so like it basically makes them pass out and Cyclops out, yeah. fights Lady Deathstrike for like a couple seconds and sucks. He blasts her with apparently the weakest optic blast ever because she gets right back up and like freaking almost snaps his neck. Um, and so another question I have about this prison is I don't understand like where it's at, like who's controlling it. Obviously, the movie makes it seem like Stryker's controlling it because he visits him and he, like, apparently can release gas in there and everything. But the line that he gives the president is that, or uh, Senator Kelly, which was Mystique, 
is that he developed the plastic technology for the prison cell. So from when he says that line, it makes me just think, oh, he, he just helped build it to contain him. But obviously he's got more involvement with it. But like what's what's confusing is like in reality, if they were holding someone who just tried to kill all of the world leaders, that would be like a like a freaking I don't know, like a federal prison or something like that. Not it would be a supermax federal prison. Yeah. yeah, it wouldn't be like this contractor's prison. But let's talk about the best scene in the movie, which is the infiltration of the X mansion. Because I freaking love this scene, Freddie. Like, every part of this scene, I I really think from start to finish, like, there is not a single part of the scene that I didn't enjoy. Because it starts off, and Wolverine is having a nightmare, like always, but he's having to watch the kids, basically. He's on babysitting duty, because uh, Cyclops and Professor X are leaving. Pretty much all the teachers are gone. They're doing their own things. And so um, Wolverine can't sleep, so he gets up, and he sees the little kid, like, flicking through the channels by blinking. I just thought that was so funny. And then he goes in the kitchen and sees Iceman sitting there. And he just has some really good character moments with Iceman that I really appreciated. Like, when he freezes the soda for him. Um, but then he hears footsteps. And so he's like, uh, be quiet. Like, let me listen. Which, by the way, he doesn't sniff in this movie. He just listens. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. He does sniff. Oh, does he? He sniffs later, and I'll talk about it when we get there. Okay, all right. But continue. But, um, so he's, he hears that there's, um, basically soldiers, I guess, in the building, and they're freaking shooting children, like, with the little darts that make them pass out, <laughs> um, which not cool man like the president didn't say that but i don't know but um i can't remember like i think they come into the the kitchen with them and they start kind of fighting and then the girl like in the bedroom starts screaming and she's like wailing and it's like her mutant power is apparently like some sort of siren or something like that to where essentially black canary yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's Except that is on a larger scale. Yeah, on a larger scale though. Yeah, you're right. I mean, hers is not directional like Black Canaries. Hers clearly affects an area. Right. Yeah. So she starts screaming, and then everyone in the mansion is like, they're being affected by it. The guards are just shooting freaking bullets at this point, like not even blow darts anymore. And um, Wolverine's trying to keep this guy from killing Iceman, and so finally the screaming stops. Um, Wolverine, like, somehow gets the guy back against the wall and stabs through his chest. <laughs> like, it's brutal. And that's what I, I love about this scene, is they really let Wolverine kind of go berserk. Not, not to the extent that it is in later films, but, like, this is your first real taste at, at um, how, how kind of crazy he can go and i just love that it's in the context of like protecting the kids too because there's a really big emphasis on that in this scene so basically after that um everything's kind of going crazy you get this part with cycle or uh, not cycle you get the part with colossus and he's helping people through like a secret passage 
and Iceman is trying to find Rogue. Um, I love the part where Wolverine is up against the wall and he hears the guard come and uh, he steps his foot out and Wolverine just slices through his foot. <laughs> and that has got yeah. to be the most painful thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you get, I guess, I don't remember like how everything plays out. But I know that there's also a part where um, it's Rogue, um, it's Rogue, Pyro, and Iceman, and they're like the guards come up to them, and then Wolverine jumps off the balcony screaming, and just uh, like stabs through both of them on the ground, and he's like, "Let's go." We, no, no, he stabs two, and then he has to turn around and take the other two out. Yeah, and then he like flings them too. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he hurts them, and then and that's um, when they they go to the little passageway, right? And um, you know, he tells them to go, but we get you know the guard is about to shoot Wolverine, and you hear, "Don't shoot!" And then Striker, you want to shoot me? Shoot me! <laughs> mhm. That that that's another cinematic line. You know, it's not as bad as the Toad one, but oh no. Like, all right, come on, Wolverine. <laughs> you must like pain. Don't shoot. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then Stryker comes, and this is your first little hint at like, oh, Stryker and Wolverine—they did something in the past. But Rogue sends Iceman back, and then Iceman, before Wolverine can get any information, Iceman f- makes a f- ice wall basically between them both, and um. He's frustrated, but they end up leaving right before Stryker blows it up. And so, after that, they go to the garage, and they find a car, and of course it ends up being Cyclops' car. And the way he starts the car is by stabbing his claw through it, which would not work. There's no absolute, absolutely no uh-uh. way that that would work. Uh-uh. <laughs> he, he would literally just slice through the entire steering wheel if that was the case. Yeah, I Especially because it's an it was a newer car. Yeah. On older cars, you could actually take a screwdriver, and do that. But this car was, was like two, early two thousand. Brand spanking new. And for that time, not how cars worked <laughs> by that point. No, not at all. So yeah. Uh, I yeah, I don't know. That that just happened. Yep, it did, and it was weird. But um, they get out of there at least, and they, what they're doing is they're about. So that you get the line because um, Bobby was talking about how his parents didn't know they were mutants, and so they're going to Boston, and that's where Bobby's parents live. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm, that's where um, uh, Storm and uh, Jean Grey are right now. Oh, that's true. They're yeah, with Nightcrawler. We didn't even Remember talk about that. that scene. Had, Do you want to talk about that one? Yeah, we get that that interaction. Um, they after uh, Professor X finds him. You know, he sends them to go. That's where the, that's what they're doing while Professor X is getting taken by Stryker and the mansion is getting taken by Stryker. And there they land and they get there and they walk into it's a it's a definitely an old abandoned church. And they right. walk in and clearly tell like this is definitely a, re- a religious man's place and immediately that caller is saying, Get down, 
get out. Leave me alone. He's like, he's clearly not wanting to be messed with. Right. And of course, quickly, very quickly, Storm and um, Jean Grey get tired of it. And so they, Jean, uh, Storm uses her lightning to like shock some wood that Nightcrawler was standing on. Jean Grey catches him and essentially freezes him so he can't teleport. And that's when they start talking to him. And that actually happens before the infiltration. And then when we go back to it after um, Logan and them have escaped fully, you know, we go back and they have Nightcrawler laying down and he's telling them, you know, about how his tattoos and about how he didn't know what he was doing. It was mm. like a bad dream and he couldn't wake up. Yeah. And he tells them about all his, their ta- his like tattoos and how some of them are like equal his sins, essentially. Yeah, well, that was he, he, that line comes later, but it is kind of an interesting line because he's like, Storm's talking to him and she's basically like, what do these represent? And he's like, uh, they're my sins, so I have very many. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And like they're they're talking about him, they're touching him, like telling him it's really cool, essentially. And he's explaining. He kind of talks about his circus life yeah. just a tad bit in this scene, and then he turns over for some reason. I don't know, just to get comfortable or something. <laughs> and they see that just for the audience to see his neck. <laughs> <laughs> essentially, <laughs> that's all it's for. <laughs> Turn over. It's going to floor the plot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Deadpool would have been there. That's exactly what would have happened. Could you you turn over real quick? It'll floor the plot. (laughs) And and once he turns over, they see that spot. And of course, we've seen that previously on Magneto. Right. Although his is much worse. It's definitely infected or something. It's much (laughs) deeper into his skin. Like, this poor guy, like, this must be painful. I felt so bad for Magneto, too, when that was happening. Like, I was like, oh, that's awful. Mm -hmm. Poor Ian McKellen. So, so like, he, he, they show that, and it's like, oh, I I didn't notice this. And uh, immediately, they're kind of alarmed. They're like, well, what does this mean? Of course, they're going to add into the plot later. Uh, who do we go back to after that? I think it's... Do we go um, back to Stryker and Professor X? Um, that or that may have happened, to... but you've also got the part with uh, Mystique. Basically, that's oh, where she, she, yeah, yeah. she seduces the guard. That's where we see Hank McCoy. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. And actually... We, she hits on the guard. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. such a weird scene, but it's also like... It just goes to show how freaking powerful Mystique is. And also, that's actually what Rebecca Romaine looks like in that scene. Like, she played herself yeah. without makeup. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, I see her picture. And how she was wearing the dress that was literally the exact print of her makeup, which is a pretty cool thing that the costume department, you know, developed. Yeah, I loved that. I'm pretty sure. Because it, yeah, and it I'm also, pretty... like, morphs back into her skin, too. Like, I thought that was a super mm-hmm. cool transformation. Um. But, like, basically what she's doing is she is basically trying to seduce this dude so that she can make him black out and then inject iron into his blood. Which, Mm -hmm. that crap that she injected into him, I don't know about you, 
but it was the same freaking effect they used for the adamantium. Like it looked like yes, it was. bubbling exact same freaking mercury, man. It did not look like mm-hmm. it did not look like iron at all, but apparently it was. Yeah, see, this this little scene essentially happens to get Magneto out of the prison. That's that's why this happens, of course. So she, yeah, she can exactly. get Magneto out. And it works. And like, course. it's a super brutal mm-hmm. scene, too. Because, like, when... We'll just talk about it real quick. But when Magneto actually does escape, so basically the guard, he goes back to basically um, give Eric lunch, I guess, or something like that. And he's, like, making fun of him, kind of. And then and then Magneto's like, something's different about you today. And he stands up, and the guard's like, sit down. Magneto's like, no, I don't think I will. And he, like, picks him up, and you're like, oh, crap. Uh, He's like, "Uh, you have too much iron in your blood. And he freaking pulls it out, like, through his chest. And that is just such a brutal way to die, because, like, he pulls all the iron out and, like, forms it into, like, three metal balls. And you just, like, see Mm -hmm. the security guard's chest is just, like, covered in little blood spots. And that always freaked me out when I was a kid, too, when I watched that. But um, (laughs) it is a really cool scene, though, because then, like, he busts through the the glass and he this we referenced this in the last podcast you did. But like he forms the uh, one of the metal balls into like a thin metal plate, which Mm -hmm. that was a ton of iron. It was so much iron. I don't even like how was that dude functioning with that much iron in his blood? I have to ask. I don't know if you know this, but okay, humans have iron in their blood naturally already. Right. And Magneto can manipulate metal. Yeah. So could Magneto manipulate a regular human? Well, he, or is there just too little iron in our blood that he? It's just he can't do it. He can't, both in the comics and in the movies. But they do kind of make that kind of a plot hole with this movie because it's like, well, why can't you just do it in general if there's if there's already yeah, iron? That's, okay, so you don't even know that. Yeah, I always... Because last week I almost brought this up, but I was like, too early. But, like, that just begs the question, if he can manipulate metal, I mean, we have iron in our blood naturally. So I... Because I, I know you, you said he pulls a lot of iron out of him. Do we necessarily know that that was all the iron that Mystique injected to him or was that iron that Mystique injected and iron that was already inside of him? That's a good and point. And that's why there was so much because yeah, cause it, was, it looked like there was more than what was injected into him. Yeah. Cause if we look at the little syringe, it's not, it's not a lot, but he pulls out, you know, three metal balls worth. And one of them, he even shapes into a, a disc that, you know, it's it's a pretty wide disc. He gets it wide enough for him to stand on. Right. So I'm almost wondering if he did actually pull out iron in that guy's blood. And you're also right. How did this guy live with that much iron inside of him? Like <laughs> For that long. He would have, he would, like, he'd have to go to the hospital. Like, that's <laughs> a plot hole. Within another plot hole. Or just call but in yeah, sick always, for work that day, like, I don't feel so yeah, good. I like, I just, <laughs> I, that's just something I would, I really want to know, like, you just said, like, it doesn't happen in the comics, but, like, technically, as far as I know. couldn't it happen? 
I yeah, I there may be an instance where something like that happens in the comics. Like I don't know for sure, but I know that that's not a typical thing because he could literally just do whatever he wants at any point. So like it's too overpowered if that's like if that if he can do that. So they never really yeah, give just, him that ability. Because it's, it's the only time I remember seeing this is in this film. Yeah. You know, I've seen some of the few X-Men comics, but I, I've just, I've always wondered, like, is that a possibility? Well, I, the other thing that was weird about it is that I didn't think that that was iron. Like, that's not what iron looks like. But oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> if iron is in a liquid form, then it is freaking molten. So that's why, uh-huh. and Amanda thought this too, we thought that it was Mercury, which I think would have made more sense if consider, like if um, Magneto can manipulate Mercury. But still, that still wouldn't make sense because that would have killed that well, guy. Well, I know that, but like freaking that much iron's going to kill him too. <laughs> so just do something that makes know, more sense. Like, I feel like there's no metal they could have successfully ejected to a, a normal human being and have survived long enough to get back to work <laughs> the next day, I tell you, and be okay. Well, that's why you don't do a freaking injection. You just, like, get... I don't know. Maybe you could have injected, like, a metal GPS or something like that. Like, a, something like I that. I just looked up... I just looked up liquid iron, and for some reason, I'm getting a bunch of ironing supplies. But <laughs> now, if you, I did too. If you look up, iron it's only molten. I know that's the only way you can get it because the melting point of iron is super high, just like every other metal. Connor, I did not think of this, and now that I'm thinking about it, it's it's not building well for this film. <laughs> God dang it! <laughs> I didn't want another thing to be mad about, and now. I always accepted it as a kid, and even when I just watched it, I accepted it because I was like, "Has to be." Now I'm like, "No, nah, he would have died." He would have. Yeah, like, like regular, like, oh. Well, it we, just we it, there's no this. way that that could have been iron. Is <laughs> that's the nitpick? Like, it's a cool scene and a cool way to show that, and like a really cool way to make him break out of prison, but I don't know. You you should have just done something different, like a just. Give him a metal implant of some sort if you're going to do anything. I don't know. I guess he would have still been confused <laughs> by it, but it's just to get him to work. Like, that's all he has to do. So, I don't know. I, I did think yeah, it was well, a cool scene, it. though. <laughs> it's a great, it's a cool scene. Makes no sense, but he gets out, you know. Yeah. That's, that's, that, that was the purpose of that scene. What happens next, I guess you have... At some point in here, you've got a scene with Stryker and Professor X, and I guess we need to talk a little bit more in depth about his plan because it involves his son, who Professor X taught at one point years ago, who was also a telepath. But I guess he was a troubled kid, and maybe his powers were never really controllable. And so... um, it doesn't really give you much background as to what happened, but apparently he left the school or, or Stryker like made him leave the school or maybe, and he was at home. His powers weren't being developed because he wasn't at school. And so he basically made his mom go insane by implanting visions into her head. 
and well he did it to both of them yeah i get he did do it to both of them but it just affected his mom more i guess but you, you know why right i don't remember because i don't uh, it, um earlier in the movie whenever he's first talking to senator kelly he tells senator kelly while you were sucking on your mama's titty i was in vietnam <laughs> yeah that's right yeah <laughs> and vietnam notably very brutal messed him up essentially so i guess whenever his son was doing to him you know he was already kind of conditioned to kind of accept that messed up stuff i guess so yeah you know more susceptible to disturbing images which we don't know what they were but they were disturbing enough for her to take a drill to her left temple yep uh, kill herself but that's the (laughs) Only that's the only like motivation we get to avenge his wife, essentially. That's that's gotta be what is, his motivation is, right? Like that's all he is, says. He he's a terrible person because he screws up his kid. He makes his kid an experiment. Oh yeah, he's awful. Like he doesn't care right. anything about his. He so, says he even says, "My son is dead. This is not mm-hmm. my son." It's like he, but he essentially killed his son. And it, Pretty much. It kind of takes, because at first he tells you that really sad story about his wife. And then he immediately reveals, oh no, I, I screwed up my son. So it like takes away, like it takes away any feel, like sad feelings you had. They're immediately ripped away because you're like, no, terrible person. Yeah, because they make him he's a maniac. He's not a bad guy. Yeah, he's not a bad guy you can sympathize with he's purely a crazy person yeah he's pure evil i mean like there's no redeeming quality about him and that's it sucks because i feel like they definitely could have made striker someone to sympathize with but they just made him pure evil because they wanted to make him seem more evil than magneto well the filmmakers or the script writers whoever just thought that his wife's motivate his wife's death was enough motivation i guess like that's all you clearly but the problem with that is they just don't make it clear like you don't even get a line later saying like i'm gonna do to all the mutants what happened what my wife had to go through or like you don't get that at all and honestly he blatantly wants to kill him it would have been even more interesting if he if he specifically told jason to put disturbing images into the minds of everyone before killing them. Like that would have at least tied back to his wife. But I'm looking at the wiki right now and it says that, um, Jason was sent to Xavier's school for gifted youngsters in the hope that he could be cured of his mutation. But Jason is instead encouraged to embrace his mutation by Xavier. Stryker became furious and withdrew Jason from the program. Over the next year, Jason grew increasingly angry with his parents and blamed them for his mutation, to which he began to use his powers to torment them, planting horrific illusions and images in their minds. Stryker's wife eventually committed suicide by applying a power drill to her left temple in an attempt to bore the images out. And then um, in X-Men 2, Jason, under the direction of his father, creates illusions in Professor Xavier's mind to make him kill all of the mutants beside himself, besides himself and the professor. Magneto stops Stryker's plan. Okay, we'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah, basically, mm-hmm. um, 
Jason's role in in his father's plan is to it's to manipulate Professor X into killing all of the mutants by using Cerebro. So what didn't make sense about that to me was that Strike like why would he listen to Striker? Is it just like a weird like it's my father I have to like no situation? <laughs> It goes back to that liquid. Is it seriously still a liquid? Yes, I I believe so. You never even see him get that. injected, but yeah, I guess that's the most logical exactly, thing. Exactly, but he has a machine on the back of his wheelchair. It's essentially keeping him alive. Oh, and that I'm is true. I'm just assuming that that machine has that liquid in it, and it makes him again susceptible to it's a miracle liquid. Apparently, because it makes him do anything. <laughs> So I, I don't. This liquid is confusing to me. That creates like so people can come out of it. I mean, always we know um, Magneto can come out of it because he's not always under that trance. But it's like, why wouldn't you make this liquid last a little longer? Or I don't, I don't know. Make it permanent. I don't understand why it just never comes back. Because literally any freaking movie villain in this franchise could use it at any point to f- accomplish their goals. Like, that's all you need, but it never comes back at all. But, yeah, we get that exchange, and immediately, right away, you know, his son starts, you know, manipulating Professor X's brain. Yeah. With a little girl. Which, why was she a little girl? I didn't understand that. Was it just to... I, until this movie, and until I look at the cast, I always thought it was a little boy. I did too, but I was watching, I literally put the closed captions on, which I usually don't do, but I did it on this one, and it literally described her as being a girl. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, it it said, little girl's voice or something like that. And I was like, what? And then there is a line, actually, where Nightcrawler's like, she's just a little girl. So Mm -hmm. it was clearly a girl, but I don't understand why he manifested that illusion that way. I don't know either. Just for his health, I guess. It could have been just to um, make Professor X more likely to go along with the vision. Like, because he, he thought that he was in the school. And so maybe he was just trying to make Professor X think that he was helping well, remember, a, a mutant at girl. First, at first, he makes Professor X have legs. And Professor X is like, I don't have legs, bro. And then immediately he puts oh, yeah. them in with the little girl. That's true. So it's almost I I I I almost wonder if it's like a foreshadowing to how he treats um Gene. Yeah, maybe. A slight foreshadowing, not a full just kinda like, oh, this is how he feels about little girls, which is uh, creepy when you say it that way. But <laughs> come on, Freddie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I could have worded that much better. But that's how it came out. Oh, man. Um, okay. But, yeah, after that thing. Yeah, we've got to talk about the, the scene at in Boston with... Um, at Bobby's house. Yeah, yeah, this scene is crazy, too. Because Bobby's this parents... This scene is also very woke. I hope you know that. Like, Wait, what? It's crazy, like... This scene is very woke. Oh, yeah, you know yeah. what that means? Yeah, it's, it's like, like... Racially woke. Like, it's nuts. Very relevant to today. Well, because everyone in the scene, except for the mutants, are actually intelligent. First of all, Bobby and um, Rogue go up to her room, and she changes clesh and they have a little make-out sesh, which was freaking stupid. 
I understand it because it's like young love, you know. Oh well, yeah, I mean they want to have physicality. They're teenagers and their hormones. Like, it's but very forbidden. It's just it's stupid, stupid for do. her like, power, they, given that her power is mm-hmm. what it is. Like she knows what and, can happen, but oh well. So after that happens, you know, she says, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." And he's like, "It's okay, it's okay." And we go and see. Uh, I think first we see Pyro, and he's looking at the family, and. This is a pretty good character moment that doesn't add up to or amount to anything ever in the next film or the rest of this movie. But he's looking at the family and it's like he's longing for it. Mm. And I don't know if you noticed in this scene, like he's looking at the family and at first it shows Iceman's family. But then the camera slightly, slightly does a pan out and it shows just um, Pyro's face. Like he's alone. Mm. Like he doesn't. He's never had that family dynamic before. And his family is essentially the X Men. And even then, he's very you know distant from that. And it's it's a great character moment for Pyro, but it never adds up to anything else later at all. I never noticed so that. It, and now that you like it, that, that makes me appreciate that scene a little bit more. Because exactly, it's amazing. It's such a good little small thing, but. What does it ever amount to? It doesn't. Nothing. They don't ever. Well, it's, it's uh, and and I will say like you can. I would cut it a little bit of slack because Brian Singer didn't get to direct the next movie, and that really screwed a bunch of things up. So like, I feel like he probably would have gone back to a lot of these plot points in the in the third movie had he been the one to direct it. But for whatever reason, he went on to he went and directed freaking Superman Returns. So yeah, it's just it's so unfortunate because of that. I, I I see what you're saying, but like a smart writer and director that comes into a franchise looks at all the elements of the past films and tries to put them into the next movie. So it's also their fault for not seeing that that's such yeah, you're right. a good character moment. You're right. It's not just the even director. If Pyro's, even if Pyro is just a more of a background character, he's clearly someone who's broken and is longing for something more. I agree. I, and I, this I, I scene appreciate that conveys too. that. Yeah. And after Pyro, we get Wolverine. And I know you said he never sniffs in this film. Oh no, my friend. <laughs> he sniffs around for a nice Corona beer. <laughs> and he gets it. And he, and you know how he pops that top off? He uses those Wolverine claws, man. He goes, pop, pop that top off with a Wolverine claw. That's what you're supposed to use those for. And then, and then he almost kills a cat. He get the cat. <laughs> almost. Kills the cat. He almost kills him. Which, how, I don't, have you seen Boondock Saint? No. <laughs> no, of course. I, I don't blame you. That's kind of a smaller film. But in Boondock Saint, they, it, something similar happens, but they actually kill a cat. <laughs> Oh, I feel like this was kind of like doing that, but much softer and more animal friendly. <laughs> and I like how he points his claws at the cat and the cat's like, bear, woohoo! <laughs> yeah. clearly, clearly this cat's excited to drink some beer with Wolverine, but that is the only time Wolverine goes, mm, bear. Because remember, originally in the X-Mansion, that's what he was looking for, yeah, but he didn't true. get it because all they had was soda. <laughs> Yeah, so this it's, is a, it's a little nice callback, but it's just, it's a little bit like, I could have done without this, but I guess for comedic enjoyment, we got it. Yeah, yeah, that's but, right. Yeah, that's, that's when Wolverine does a little sniffing around. And of course, 
Well, while Wolverine's enjoying his nice beer, he's rudely interrupted by um, Iceman's family. Like, I can't believe Iceman's family just had to come home while Wolverine was sipping on his beer, finally able to relax just a little bit. Of course, not long enough. Yeah, because, because then the family Iceman's comes. family comes home, and that's when the real trouble starts because, you know, Iceman has to explain to his parents, I'm a mutant. It makes and me feel so bad for you, mutants in this scene. It does. It like you can tell Pyro is like he does not like the family because he knows. Yeah, it's like instantly. he knows like this is what's gonna happen and you're not gonna like it. When it's and, like he because he already went through it is what is implied, and mm-hmm. so and it's it it sucks because he's sad. like kind of friends with Bobby too, even though like he mm-hmm. doesn't end up sticking with him. But yeah, no. you're right. It's just like. He knows what's gonna what's coming next, and of course it it does. Like they're freaking a holes. Then uh, I forgot because Wolverine was like playing with this phone the whole time, and he finally gets in contact with um, Jean Grey and Storm, and uh, he tells them where they're at so that they can head on that way. But before that gets to happen, Iceman's little brother like runs upstairs and calls the police, and um, his mom is like, have you tried not being a mutant? And you're like, are you an idiot? <laughs> um, and then the police come, and then all hell breaks loose, because they freaking go out. This is the part where I'm assuming you're talking about that it's freaking woke, because <laughs> these police are idiots. I know the cops Drop the shoot. knives! <laughs> it's like, it... Come on, dude, you know mutants exist. Like, you... You see this guy with things obviously coming out of him. They're literally protruding from his skin. And he even says, I I can't. It's so unfortunate because Wolverine literally, he's like, he tries to explain. Bang. Shoots him. And it's like that moment. I can tell that there are families everywhere that see that. And it saddens them because it's true to today's standards how mutants are the minority in the world we have actual minority cultures in the right, world yeah and unfortunately that happens like I, even lately i've seen stuff on like facebook and all these other places where this has been the case where someone who happened to be a minority was trying to help or explain and ends up losing their life because of it and it's just such a it's such a relevant scene to today that it's crazy how relevant it is. I'm honestly shocked like that it made it into this movie because mm-hmm. that wasn't an issue that was discussed nearly as much then as it is today. But mm-hmm. it's just really interesting that, that you but get to go like watch so, this movie. Yeah, it is so cool that you watch this scene and it's like, oh, wow, that's, that's so true to today. Uh, the only the I guess the the thing is though Wolverine can come back and you know that's not true right. in today's standards but you know they shoot Wolverine in the forehead what an idiot like who hired this guy but I have to say would that actually do anything um it shouldn't have because think about it. He has an adamantium skull. Yeah, I Shouldn't know. the bullet have ricocheted off instead of going in? I th- because you're, if you feel where he got shot, there's a, that's bone. I guess and they Wolverine were just making the case that it, like, kind of went, th- like, got stuck in the skin as, like, a kind of like a padding. 
And so I guess that's uh, what still, that what they were saying. It, I <laughs> think what know. happened was the bullet like crushed upon impact and then just kind of got stuck there. I don't know. What's weird about it, though, is that it makes him pass out. And I feel <laughs> like he it didn't like maybe it rattled his brain. Like, that's about all I can think of. But yeah, it was just an excuse to get him to be out for a second and Pyro to go maniac mode because he's like you hear about all those mutants on the news well I'm the worst one and he shoots a flame ball at this police officer who somehow Two does not die yeah both of them both of them don't die I know it doesn't it makes no well, actually, sense actually we don't know if one of them doesn't die because we only seen one of them again well you see the we one who got like the again. worst the one who should have died because he's yeah. the one who shot Logan in the forehead and yeah, and he sees Logan again. He's like, "Oh, you're one of those people." <laughs> yeah, course, yeah, you're right. It's so weird. <sighs> but um, then this is really cool though because Rogue she gets to use her powers because she grabs onto um the skin of Pyro like on his leg, and then she takes over his powers while simultaneously like depleting his, so he can't do his fire stuff anymore. And then she uses his power mm-hmm. to basically make the fire die down which was an awesome that was probably her best moment in this whole movie Mm -hmm. and then finally storm and yeah storm and jean gray they um they show up on the x-jet which they completely redid the x-jet in this movie i don't know if you noticed that because i remember last movie you were saying that it looked real like crap and then this one it looked a lot better okay this one they made better but Literally, scientifically and physicality, not possible. <laughs> You're right, but Connor, you see how skinny this thing is. And then when they show the interior shots, it's like super big. Interior is like it's like Doctor Who's phone box. All of a sudden, it's <laughs> it's 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 got room all of a sudden. But like if you look at pictures, like I am, there's like side profiles. No way. No way a human could fit in it. Like, no way a human could stand in this jet. It's so flat. Maybe the little, like, maybe the little cockpit, because that's the only part that actually has some level. But there's no way that small cockpit area is, like, the entire... It's just... Ah, it really irked me, because I'm like, they made the X-Jet cooler, but physically impossible <laughs> to happen especially Damn. the interior it just makes absolutely no sense it ticked me off when i was watching it i was like no 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 uh-uh this is a piece of paper they're flying a piece of paper <laughs> that they can all fit on the piece of paper they can fit inside the piece of paper it almost looks know. like um like a weevil or something like that like how flat it is i don't know it's kind of weird well it's supposed to be a modified blackbird. Yeah, but it's not. You know what a blackbird is? <laughs> yeah, but it's it's really not. Like, I don't know. It's just... It, it's, because, like, I can see the blackbird because I'm looking at a picture of a blackbird. I can too, but... It, but it's not. Like, even a real blackbird has more room than the X-Jet looks like it has. But not on the interior. Movie. Like, a real blackbird... I, 
Like, the interior does not look like that. They were housing, like... A real like... blackbird would look better! <laughs> yeah, I know, but it would it would be smaller than what they showed on the interior shots. Like, they made the interior look like the freaking shield helicarrier. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That... That's a huge nitpick that got to me because they kept showing the <laughs> interior and how how vastly wide this interior was, and it just like yeah, they actually oh. plays a big role in this movie because mm-hmm. like right after that is they're getting freaking chased down by fighter pilots, they're chased by jet, yep. and then um, storm finally like it's like she goes crazy, man. She brings like twenty tornadoes around them. <sighs> And if well, she, I was any of those fire pilots, the second I see that I'm surrounded by tornadoes, I'm going to the ground or like I'm flying away from that situation. Like, I don't know why they were there for that long. But I, I also don't know why Storm didn't make sideways tornadoes. Can she even do that? Like, because because can't she manipulate weather? I mean, yeah, I guess she could. But what doesn't make sense to me is that. Not, none of the planes in that scene get sucked into a tornado. So, like, it doesn't do anything. It's just, like, to make it harder for them to the fire. go right through it. But then they're still able to fire. They're... They still oh, yeah. shoot their missiles. Well, one does. Well, that I mean, they shoot, but, yeah, that's right. They shoot two missiles, and then Jean Grey is able to successfully stop one of them, but her powers are weird right now, unfortunately. Yes, with her terrible... CGI'd Phoenix effect. <laughs> Her eyeballs like turning into flames. It looked like it really looked like it was done in after effects. Like it, I'm like sure it, it was. was definitely an after thing. Yeah. And it it's so apparent that it was post production that it makes it bad. And yeah. I, I was a little upset. I was like, oh man, that could have been done better. But, but hey, you know, it was it was only two seconds. Oh uh, yeah. So I understand why it probably wasn't as polished as they wanted it to be. It did look weird in that scene, uh, and I think it almost looked better when they did it the last, like in the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think they had more frames to work with instead of like ten frames. They had a, a, the full twenty six. Yeah, you're, per second. You're right. To, to work with. Well, because they even I put a sound why. effect in there, too, at the end. It's like a literal flame lighting is what it sounds like, like a... Um, mm-hmm. Or something like that. But basically, she can't control... Or she can't get rid of the last missile until, like, the very last second, so it blows apart the back end of the jet, the X-Jet, and Rogue mm-hmm. just flies out of there. And so... Well, like, because for some reason, she can't get her belt around herself. And doesn't ask anyone for help. Well, yeah. <laughs> like, That's someone true. Someone could have helped her. She would have just asked. Excuse me, any of you five strong men around me? Could you help me? <laughs> I guess she just didn't want to be, like, a hindrance. She didn't want to be a bother. I don't know. Yeah. By, by not wanting to be a bother, she became a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, let's save ourselves the five minutes that didn't need to happen <laughs> and just say, Hey, I need help. <laughs> I'm sure Logan would have been like, I'll help you. And gotten out real quickly, buckle her in and then got right back in and he would have been fine. Cause if that would have happened to him, he could have gotten his Wolverine claws and stabbed into the jet and been fine. That is true. 
And we still could have gotten to the same spot where Magneto saves the jet. Still could have gotten to the same spot. I promise you. <laughs> I, we didn't honestly, need Rogue. <laughs> at first, I forgot like about the scene, so I thought it was Wolverine that flew out, and I was like, oh, he'll be fine. He'll land on the ground and heal. But then it was Rogue, and I was like, oh, crap, I don't remember this. <laughs> and, then, and then Nightcrawler gets her. Yeah, which was cool. Yeah. Like That was a cool way to show his powers, I guess, but... But I have a question. Do you think Nightcrawler has, like, a smell to him? A smell? Like, do you think he smells bad or something? <laughs> Maybe. Because, like, if you look at those nasty fingers he has, uh. this dude's got to smell, like, blue cheese or something. <laughs> 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 like, while she was holding on to him, she was like, oh, God. And he does it to like so imagine. many. He does it to Storm. He does it to Professor X. They're just like, you need to take a shower, dude. <laughs> <laughs> this is a homeless guy. He has to smell like blue cheese. He's barefoot. He doesn't. He doesn't bathe those fingernails. He doesn't file them down. And his smoke just leaves behind like the worst aroma ever. <laughs> It's like a fart. The White House smells <laughs> terrible. They had to evacuate like, their like, White House. Someone light 50 billion candles right now. <laughs> Let's have a vigil in here Nightcrawler because it smells like so bad. Blue cheese. <laughs> oh my god. That's so funny. Um random random thought, but So anyway, <laughs> it gets back and then Miss Magneto stops the plane. And you don't know it's him at first. You think it's Jean Grey, but she's like it's not me. And it's Magneto. And he's like, hello, friends. And um, <laughs> they're just camping out for a little while. Who knows where the heck they even are? Like, it doesn't explain that either. But they've got to get all the way to Alkali Lake. Um, but anyway, they camp out for a bit. And, like, they get a couple interesting character moments. Because, like, especially between Jean Grey and Wolverine. Because they, like, straight up make oh out God. for a second. And she is still technically involved with Cyclops. And th- she never confesses that to him. <laughs> and Wolverine doesn't either. So it's just like, all right, cool. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, he never even, like, he he's even the one that kind of consoles Cyclops. No, not at all. That's kind of messed up. Yeah, no, exa- he does. I mean, yeah, he does. That, Cyclops, that, yeah, I remember Cyclops that. She chose you. Cyclops is crying. But... Did she, though? Because she straight up made out with you. (laughs) And then you get a weird scene with Mystique because she comes in and, like, is making out with with Wolverine. She she wants a piece of Wolverine right there. Does she turn into Rogue for a split second? Because if so, that's freaking weird. It is weird, but like I mentioned in the previous episode, Rogue <laughs> did go into X into Wolverine's room. I don't know. That's I true. Could have something there, but anyways, know. let's gloss over that. Let's not make it weird. But it does get weirder because she's like, "What do you really want?" And she turns into Striker, and Wolverine's just like, huh. "Get out of here!" Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That was kind of a useless scene. Like, what did it do? Like, I don't know what the purpose was of it was. Was she trying to figure out something? The way I took it was that she was just trying to screw with him, honestly. I guess so. You, like, you do get to see her scar, and that's like, she's like, no one's ever quite left a scar like you. Yeah, that's just, 
Uh, uncalled for. But also, that was then, the scene, the cool scene with with a uh, Nightcrawler's um, eavesdropping. <laughs> I love that that scene. So funny. Yes, and this is where we finally get to the plot. <laughs> You're right. I, well, at least it gets more fully fledged out. Well, because you know, the really X Men are finally everyone... all getting together. Um, yeah, it's finally when they unite. Hey, it is true. Kind of a movie. Yep. That's why it's called that, I guess, because met, like the bad guys and the good guys are uniting as mutants. So that must be why that was the title of this movie. I don't know. There's no other reason for it because it doesn't last very long. It, 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 they took a page from Star Wars Attack of the Clones. Because <laughs> in Star Wars Attack of the Clones, the clones only attack once. At the end of the movie. <laughs> Essentially what happens here. The X-Men unite once. At the end of the movie. <laughs> and it doesn't even last for maybe, fi- it lasts for maybe 15 minutes. Yeah. It's, maybe. Well, yeah. And it's questionable how united they even are. But. I know. Because they're definitely, uh, they definitely, like, they have a little talk about, like, their game plan and what they're going to do. But they don't have the full talk yet because they actually talk even more once they get on the jet and they actually start heading to Alkali Lake. Right, and that's what I don't understand is how they knew to get there. I forgot where that information came from. Again, I believe it was Raven. Okay. so Because remember, she had printed those pages out. I'm sure she hid them in her butthole or something. I don't know how she got <laughs> She just there. enveloped them in her skin somewhere because she can, she's freaking powerful. She must have hid them in, in her butt crack or under one of her titties or something. I have no clue. Like... <laughs> I don't know where she, unless she gave them to Magneto as soon as he got out. That's the only way, I hope. Well, I don't know. Not just. But I guess that's the only way that, like, she knows. Wolverine should know because he was there, like, a day ago, but he didn't find anything mm-hmm. useful out. But, like, we get, there are some character moments I would like to hit on real quick. Okay. With um, Rogue and Pyro. Rogues is really quick. Um, you see Mystique and Magneto talking, and they're looking at Rogue, and she's kind of like, what are you looking at? And Magneto snarkily says, we love what you've done with your hair, which is a pretty cool callback to what happened to Rogue whenever the uh, mm. machine messed up her hair, and like Iceman has to hold her back because she takes her gloves off and starts to run at Magneto. Yeah. And he's like, no, 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 we're better than that. Uh, I would have done it because he freaking tried to kill you. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And, but Pyro is then sitting two or three seats away from Magneto and Mystique. All right. And Pyro is playing with his lighter and Magneto takes notice very quickly. Uh-huh. And you can kind of tell this kid is not like the other two. And he singles him out and he's like, oh, what's what's your name? And he says, Jonathan. And, he, and Magneto's like, what's your real name? And he says, Pyro. And Pyro explains, you know, I can't make fire, but I can manipulate it. Yeah. And cause, but Magneto has taken the lighter, and Pyro basically pulls the flame and plays with it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Magneto hands the lighter back and plants the seed. You're God amongst people, and that that's that's all it took to basically make Pyro see. I need to be with him. I know it's it's very quick, and it's. You know, very shorthanded, but it it does def it's definitely pushes him 
pulls him to Magneto. It was effective for sure. The Brotherhood. Yeah. It was definitely it was definitely a good thing that it definitely set it up. So like when he left, it wasn't just abrupt and made no sense. No, it because of that scene, that makes sense that he goes with the Brotherhood. Right. Yeah. Like they they built that up pretty well, I think. Um, they just don't know, pay it again, off in the next movie. Is the only thing. Unfortunately, no payoff. Yeah. <laughs> just like the other scene. Then it's like, yeah, they're they're like ready to go at this point. They figure they go and find out it's a dam, and um, they make the plan of how they're going to get in there. At first, Logan's like, "Let it's going to be me because Stryker's not going to kill me." But then you get like this knowing glance from Mystique. And so the next scene is Logan's walking across the spillway and he gets up to the door and he's like, Striker! And Striker comes and they like put handcuffs on him. And you pretty much already know that it's not Logan at this point because it's what had just happened. And sure enough, uh, she like, does she uh, squeeze her hands into it? Like, does she morph them down to squeeze out of the handcuffs? Yeah, she basically changes back to herself. And her arms, I guess, are a lot form. thinner than Wolverine. And because because she's not ripped, she's able to <laughs> she like pull have her hands away. Freaking wrists. Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't have those meaty wrists that Hugh Jackman has. <laughs> so she's able to like flip out with really bad CGI. But uh, of course, they go back and she's real again. Yeah. And not the CGI character. She's just kicking all these people's butts very easily. I might assume like. Oh, I have some better guards. She's wrecking like, them. She's already OP with her mutant power, and now she knows every fighting style. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. She's just completely OP. I actually love this moment because, like, she, like, goes through the door and has it closed, but while she's doing it, she's sliding and <laughs> flipping them off, mm-hmm. which I thought was just so funny. And then immediately, she's still going at it. Like, this scene makes her... So freaking overpowered because she walks into another room as striker and she's like we've got a metamorph on the loose uh, it could be anyone and then she freaking whacks one of the guards <laughs> as striker and then turns back into herself and so like at that point she's got control of like the the security camera room and like the door's closing and striker walks up and she's still striker and she like looks through the the door right as it's closing and like smiles and like blows a kiss to him. It's just, I love Mystique in this movie. So this is where things like just start to kind of get out of hand because Wolverine takes off his communication. He goes off to try to find Stryker. But then uh, Jean Grey has a scene with Cyclops where they're fighting because Cyclops is being controlled, which Cyclops is useless in this movie. He's like Sabretooth in the last movie. He does nothing at all in this movie to help the cause of the X-Men. Anyway, they're, um, they have their little interchange and she like wrecks him. Like, cause Cyclops is blasting her and she like Phoenix forces his blast all the way out. And like, it just like almost destroys the dam. It starts to destroy the dam and that's why it eventually, mm-hmm. uh, crumbles. But, um, and she, she actually knocks him out of his, yeah, Can't. yeah, but it's like this confrontation only lasted two minutes. <laughs> yeah, the purpose of it was to wreck the the dam, wreck the dam essentially. And 
There's something with Mag- uh, with Magneto and Mystique, but I can't remember exactly what it is. It's, it's Magneto, Mystique, and uh, Jean Grey. They they get she she pushes she saves them from getting shot by Cyclops, and mm. that's when they go off. Yeah, that's right. And they pretty much unveil their evil plan, which was their entire motive of getting the help of the X Men, which is to basically get there so they can tell Charles to kill all humans right and this keep in mind this is like the last half hour of the movie and they finally reveal their plan like you didn't even mm-hmm. so they were never united was the point of it like nope never but um they are going to basically reverse the machine to go on or not the machine but uh charles they're going to reverse it to target humans instead it's basically what i thought he was trying to do in the last movie because remember, I was thinking that it was going to be the entire planet. Well, last movie, mm-hmm. it wasn't. It ended up not being that. But it is on this one. It's the entire planet of humans that he's trying to kill. And it's just like, well, why are you trying to commit a mass genocide? That's not going to further your cause. You're going to have, like, what? A percent of humans left on the Earth? I mean, of uh, mutants left on the Earth? So, it's it doesn't make sense, but... It happens, but, well, first, um, it's happening to the mutants at first, because Magneto is actually the only one who is immune to it, because he's got the helmet on, which begs the question, why doesn't everyone own one of those freaking helmets after an event like this? But, nope, never happens. Um, This was never trademarked, Connor. Like, if in Logan... When uh, when Professor X goes crazy, if everyone had helmets, wouldn't have been an issue. Should have learned. <laughs> <laughs> yep, pretty much. But um, we're not talking about Logan. Well, Connor, remember continuity, schmontinuity. Continuity, <laughs> schmontinuity. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> My favorite thing to say now. So, oh yeah, and at the same time, Storm and Nightcrawler are saving the kids. So, like, he teleports in there with them and gets them all out. Um, Wolverine goes into that place and he starts getting flashbacks. That oh, flashback yeah, this earlier when he scene. was having bad dreams. Right, yeah. Yeah, because you, you get the entire yeah. fight with Lady Deathstrike. Because, like, Striker comes in and he's like, gives, gives him a little bit more. He's like, um, I used to think you were one of a kind, but now you're nothing. And Lady Deathstrike is there to fight him. She jumps up and like spins and slices him. And, uh, they, they have a, I, well, what did you think about this fight? I'm kind of curious to see what you thought about it. Uh, uh, to, to, to be honest, it's a little pointless because it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't add anything to Logan. The only thing we get is, uh, striker coming in and saying, adamantium so hot. You, uh, have to keep it hot or else it hardens quickly. This fight doesn't matter. Right. It's emotionless. There's no reason for it happening besides just to have action in the film. Yeah, that's the purpose of it. I mean, it's, it's just cool, an action scene. It's cool. Like, let's not take away from the cool factor. Because, like, they keep thinking they're getting one up on each other, and they just... It doesn't happen and until Wolverine, you know, finally stabs her with the adamantium, injects it into her body... <laughs> 
fills her up so much it comes out of her eyelids and her nose, which is a terrible way to die. Awful. Like, like she, oh what sucks goodness. about it is that she wasn't in her right mind. <laughs> like Wolverine just murdered know, this it, person. It, that's, that's the worst part. Like she literally didn't know. Mm-hmm. And he still kills her, which it almost like, it takes away from the scene earlier where she was coming out of it. It's like, well, why even show that if you're just going to make her someone to kill later? Yeah, yeah. So that this fight is definitely pointless, cool, but doesn't add to the plot in any way. And it, like the flashbacks kind of set up for a later movie, but again, not for this movie. So it, yeah. it's just, it, this, again, I feel like you could have taken this scene out. That's true. I mean, the, the whole fight, the only thing you could have left in is him killing her so we know she's no longer with us. I know it's like, well, now you don't know how it happened. It doesn't matter how it happened. We just need to know she's gone, really, essentially, at this point. Or just don't kill her because they lackey. kill every freaking villain in these movies. Like, you got to keep some for later. I, I but like she wouldn't even have to be a villain. She could be well, that's true, yeah. someone like Logan. And uh, to me, I know is Lady Deathstrike a character in the comics? Yeah, she is. Cause see, I always thought she was ninety nine cent X twenty three. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, she's <laughs> a completely I, different I, character. Okay, I've always that's always how I saw her as ninety nine cent X twenty three because she's just. She's eh, and she dies so fast in this movie. Like, you see her kick the crap out of um, Cyclops, and then she's just a lackey the entire rest of the movie until she fights Wolverine and gets killed in five minutes. Yeah, you're right. So, uh, to me, this scene was cool. Let's not take away from that. It's a really cool scene. There was some pretty good choreography whenever it wasn't CGI'd, but it doesn't have any heart to it. Doesn't have any true meaning to it. Like the um, exchange that Wolverine has with Stryker, whenever he finds Strike uh, Stryker tied up, has more meaning than this little skirmish did. Yeah, that's true. So that's how I see. I don't know. Maybe you feel differently. Um. No. Well. Like, I still think this is, a like, a fun scene as far as, like, the action. Of course, I think the action is good in, in pretty much all of the action scenes in this movie. But that's about all it is. It's just surface level, really. <laughs> I thought it was brutal how she died. and Very brutal. What, you, what you're saying makes sense. Like, you, you brought up a good point because, like, it is just set up, which really sucks because they should have just, if they were going to, I don't know, with... Hindsight's always twenty twenty, but they should have just get like let Wolverine figure out everything while he was at the base in this movie, because that's what it felt like it was leading to. But no, they draw it out for another movie, which ends up being the freaking worst movie in the entire franchise. That's that's what I'm saying. That there's a string, but it leads to crap. I guess if I would have watched this movie fresh back in two thousand three when it came out. I think I would feel differently. I think I would actually like it. I think I would be, oh, right, we're going to get some great movies. But because we're in 2020 
and we've seen what happens, it's like, why? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, it's like Matrix Reloaded. Matrix Reloaded was a bad movie, <laughs> but it could have led to something great. This isn't a bad movie, but it could have led to something great and nothing panned out. <laughs> I still it really is, like this so, movie, Freddie. Like, I know you I, you don't as much, but I, it's just it's, for me the character moments are are more important than the plot. I think, and they do a True. generally good job. Like, especially when you're talking about with like Pyro and stuff like that, just little details like that I think really add to it. And I and I love the action scenes. Like, they're always fun, but like I said, they're surface level, and so you don't really get a whole lot out of it. And especially when they're setting up for later things, it's just, it's horrible when you look back on it later on. Because really, if you think about it, Wolverine never really gets to figure out all the details about his past. Only the audience does through a terrible movie called X-Men Origins Wolverine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Connor. Terrible? Blasphemous is what that movie was. (laughs) And... When we get to that movie, if you think uh, I'm ripping into this movie, Connor. <laughs> it'll come at some point. Not with this series, because I can only handle so much at, at one time. <laughs> but, gosh. That's all you get, really, of, of Wolverine figuring out about his backstory. And then the very next... Yeah, that's it. Yeah, because like, after that, he goes and like tries to find Stryker... Striker's plan starts to work because all of the mutants are like dying basically from the sound mm. in their heads. But as, of course, as soon as Magneto opens that door, it it disconnects everything apparently. Yeah, exactly. And so he goes in and has Mystique turn into or okay, he like rearranges the panels so apparently like they only needed. Some of the panels in Real Cerebro were for humans and some were for mutants. And I guess that's how it worked. That's what it was implied because Magneto goes and rearranges it to only do the the humans, I guess. And so... That's how it works. Which, how the heck would Strikers men ever figure that out? That was like something only, only the Cerebro builders would know. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. But then um, he... He's like, there's been a change of plans. As, or Mystique says that as Stryker to Jason. And so he changes it mm-hmm. from means to humans. And then at that point, the dam is like about to collapse. And Wolverine uh, and Stryker's like, we can get out of here together. And Wolverine's like, no, I'm not going to go with you. And he like goes back in the base. <laughs> <laughs> he goes back in the base and they have to get... Um, Professor X out. Right? Yep. Yeah. And so what they end up doing is Nightcrawler, um, or Storm convinces Nightcrawler to teleport in there because she says she has faith in him. Which I didn't think that he could go through walls, but apparently he can if he concentrates hard enough. And so they do that, and the little girl, all they see is the little girl standing there, but it's actually Jason. That's when. <laughs> You only you get the only line that actually confirms that it's a girl because Nightcrawler's like, it's just a little girl. And Storm's like, I don't know. And so she like... And Storm's like, you're wrong. She's like, you better start shivering because it's about to get cold in here. And it does. She freaking brings a blizzard into the room and like freezes. 
Which Storm basically saves the day in this movie, if you think about it. Yep. Like, otherwise... She carries the entire camp. Everyone would have... No one else does anything to help. All the humans would have died if it wasn't for Storm freezing out. Freezing up uh, Jason. But she does. Thank goodness Halle Berry. (laughs) She saves the day. They teleport Charles out of the Cerebro room, but they never go back to Jason. They just leave him to die. Which is so sad. Like, this kid has been through so much tor- torment. I I have to be honest, I don't think he's a person at that point, though. What do you mean? I don't, I don't think they could have saved him. You saw how many, much machinery was there just to keep him alive. I don't think if they would have brought him with them, he would have even had a chance to survive a normal life. I think... He was gone. Because remember, he said, uh, Stryker said his son is dead. So that wasn't a person anymore. That was essentially a robot. Well, it still was him. It, I think by, by him saying his son was dead, he was implying that he was effectively dead to him. Like, he didn't care about oh, his son I, at all. The way I took it was that essentially he wasn't, uh, he wasn't him anymore. Like, how, um, Anakin becomes Darth Vader and he gets, Anakin gets in the Darth Vader suit. Anakin no longer is, Anakin's no longer there. It's Darth Vader. So essentially I feel like hmm. it was kind of like that. It could same be vein like that. Where, yeah. But I don't know. I well, don't know. If, you might be right. They just let a poor kid die for no reason. <laughs> even if they, even if it was like, he still, he still could have been like, himself but still like no chance of survival because he was like all of the machinery or whatever was was keeping him alive basically but it had to be him because he was still using his power so i don't know i don't know because he had scarring all over his head right yeah he was wrecked as there a was just, human being there's just a buttload of machinery behind him i i personally feel that he was too far gone to even be saved at that yeah, point. Yeah, which is, that's okay if that's the case, but like it, but it still uh, makes again, it look explained. like they don't ever even, they don't even try, like, it just makes it seem like, oh, like, you're a goner, sucks for you, you're gonna die. They don't Suck try to, to do anything, because <laughs> uh, Nightcrawler could easily teleport him the same way, even if it did detach him from the machinery and even if he died, like, yeah, at least see, he tried. Thing. What if he did that and he just, like, I don't know. I feel like that would have been too dark to put on the screen, even though they still went pretty dark in this film. Well, yeah, I mean, they usually don't have a problem with going dark. Like, they're killing people left and right. <laughs> left and right. right. Just no blood, right? Just no blood. Not until <laughs> Logan or Deadpool, not whichever was first. That was Deadpool. <clears throat> yeah. And then there's still conflict because the dam is about to explode. So it's just like one thing after another in this fin- in this finale. Yeah, and like they think they're doomed, and like they all have these like looks on their faces, like "Oh, we're screwed." And then we hear the X jet coming in, and it's coming at a terrible angle. <laughs> First of all, Rogue does not help the situation. Yeah, she gets the jet there. But what she does is lodges it it so deep into the snow that it won't propel up anymore. (laughs) So she tried 
and fails. <laughs> Pretty much. To help. And it, it's, it's like, because of Rogue, Gene died. <laughs> Pretty much. I didn't even think about that. Like, is that... Yeah. It, Rogue killed Gene, essentially. And <laughs> I don't think anybody puts the blame on her because she's a kid. But, like, I feel like if they did, like, a comic that was supposed to go in between the movies, they would have a comic where um, Cyclops makes Rogue feel like crap and blames her fully. Yeah. Like, I could see that being a thing and being terrible. It would be a really hard comic to read because he was, he's just in anguish. He's trying to find something to blame. But still, like, essentially Rogue inadvertently led Jean to her death. Mm. By crashing the damn jet because she thinks she can fly. Which, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know why Iceman didn't just try to fly. They just, he just let his, let Rogue be weak and, Either way, for some reason. it was not a good decision. And then they spend like five minutes trying to figure out how to get in the get the plane up. But like, so like the the jet won't lift because it's stuck in the snow. And Gene makes a decision: I have to sacrifice myself. Yep. Which comes out of the blue because it's like, why do you have to sacrifice? Yourself? Oh, it comes out of nowhere, <laughs> man. Like, there, there, in the first film, there's never any indication that she's self-centered and wouldn't be the one to do that. Has no real motivation to do that. Like, oh, she, she's suicidal all of a sudden? Like, does she know that the Dark Phoenix is going to come out or something? So she essentially does sacrifice? I, there's no motivation towards it. She just does it because it's the honorable thing, I guess. That's I, all I can accumulate it to and she like starts lifting it out and immediately scott tries to get out and go help her and the door closes because gene is doing all of this and the entire time um scott is like stop stop her and for some reason uh storm doesn't say to the last second She's doing it. She's doing it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, they take like, forever. You, you couldn't have said that 10, 30 seconds earlier, so Scott wouldn't be freaking out. And then uh, Jean uses Charles to talk to them. Yeah. Essentially. So she's doing, like, 20 different things at once, like, in this scene. Which, again, out of nowhere. Like, what does where it make powers earlier? Well, why doesn't she... She can... In this movie, can she teleport? I mean, not teleport. Can she uh, levitate? No, we never see her do that, unfortunately. Well, because she can so, in no, the comics and in the game. And then she can in the next movie, so... So why doesn't she just do <laughs> everything she's doing while lifting up the thing? I don't know. She. I feel like she could have done everything because she was doing while also flying in the air. And, and levitated herself, right? Yeah, because she... That's the thing. She wouldn't have had to waste power pushing back the water. Well, yeah, I guess she would have had to still keep it away from the X-Jet, but... I don't know. But she lifts it up and basically tells Scott goodbye, and then uh, Nightcrawler actually tries to teleport, and she's like, she's not letting me. Yeah, which I did so like that they addressed doing... that, at least. Yeah, I, at least I addressed it, but, like, it shows she's doing multiple things, so why not just levitate yourself? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And she, uh, unfortunately, uh, she dies, which 
uh, air quotes around that because it's not really she doesn't really die, of course. I don't know. It's like the same thing that happens in Batman v Superman, where Superman quote unquote dies, but then they last minute have to put a little thing at the end where, oh, is he really dead? Like, if you're gonna kill him, just go for it for the yeah, rest of that movie. That that didn't even add up to anything because originally people thought in Batman v Superman that was either something landing on Earth causing the dirt to just go up or Superman was actually going to rise up. But, of course, Justice League was botched. But, again, <clears throat> another topic for another day. <laughs> yeah. But after that, we have the, the president. Well, did, 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 Randomly, while they're in the X-Jet, Professor X is like, we have to get to Washington. And this is before... Oh, it's before she dies, Yeah, right? it's before she even goes out to sacrifice herself. It's like, where is this coming from? Like, why do you have to get to Washington like, all of how, a sudden? Wait, also... Also... I don't think anyone was paying attention, so how did they know? He had to reiterate that at some point, because <laughs> everyone was paying attention to him. Oh, that's, well, I'm, Gene, I guess, that, like, yeah. it just happened off screen when they finally got the jet up and started flying. I guess, I guess he was like, hey guys, remember when I said that? <laughs> and they were like, no, we were watching our friend die. Yeah, you freaking, are you kidding me? <laughs> but anyways, yeah, he says we have to go to Washington, and we go, and the president's walking down the hallway talking to some uh, people to make sure he says the right things, I guess. Yep, because he's reading off a teleprompter. And he sits down, he, yeah, he, he, he sits down and starts starts an address to the country, and then Freeze all of a frame. sudden things start going weird. Like, the lights go off, we see a storm cloud coming from behind, it's all dark, and then the lights flash, and bam, the X-Men are there. Yep. And Nightcrawler's there too, and this is a pretty actually little funny moment. Because they're all there, and the president looks up and sees Nightcrawler, and is like, "Screw this! I'm yeah, out he, of here!" He, freaking, last time I saw he him, freaks out, man. He almost killed me. <laughs> <laughs> but Charles <clears throat> is like, "Calm down, calm down." But like, Nightcrawler waves at first, and then he sees his reaction, and he's like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> he gets. He's like, he's a little sad because he's like, it wasn't me. I know. But, <laughs> and Charles is like, "Here, take this." They somehow. Have the papers to uh, that Raven guy, and I know he says, "I know a, a little girl that can walk through walls." So you made a little girl go and get top secret files. It's a little. It's so there, dumb. Bud, it's but, like uh, which. Hey, I don't even understand where those. Where were those files? Were they at Alkali Lake or were they at the office that Mystique? They must have been at that office with Lady Day. That he should have just said. I got them from an old friend. Like it would have made it would have made more sense that he just got them from. But no, they wanted to have a funny uh, line in there, and it so just, also raises more you know questions. Kitty Pryde was going to be in the next movie. Yeah, she's in all three movies, but it's a different actress each time. It's so dumb. Same thing with Jubilee. Yeah, because in this one, she like she falls through the bed in the first one. She actually has a line to the professor and she like goes and runs through a wall and Logan was standing there like, Oh, what the heck? Anyway, it's a dumb line. I don't know why they did that. They could have just gotten the papers from mystique, but basically, Oh, also when did they have the time to get those papers? <laughs> <laughs> Cause they freaking uh, presumably go straight there to the, a White House from Alkali Lake because 
Professor X was like, we need to get to Washington. So what the heck? Uh, but he's basically like, you need to rethink your, you're at a pivotal moment. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not threatening you, but you need to rethink what you're going to say. And so they all go basically. And he puts it back to regular non professor X reality. And then he, the president changes what he's going to say is what's implied. And then it goes to a monologue, which is the exact same monologue from the beginning of the first movie, but it shows the water over Alkali Lake and you can't even see what's under the water, but it's presumably it's, it's, Jean Grey. It's implied it's a phoenix. Yeah, that's 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 what it's supposed to be, I guess. But it's just eh. that's how the movie ends, and it's like, get ready for the next movie. It's like, but at the end of the day, this movie it's not a bad movie. It's definitely a movie you sit down and have dumb fun with. Otherwise you're going to end up like me finding every single problem in the movie. Yeah. You really can't focus on the, on the nitpicks. I, I, (laughs) there's a bunch. I don't know. I've unfortunately taken that role on this podcast where I pay attention way too much. I mean, I did it in the last episode, so you're not alone, but (laughs) (laughs) I just, I don't know. I need to stop overthinking something, but at the same time, I guess I'm kind of waking people up like, hey, think about this because it makes no sense. You shouldn't have to suspend your disbelief for that much. Yeah, for especially a pl- an entire plot. Like, <laughs> come on now. Come on now. We can do better than this. Yeah. It's unfortunate. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a good sit down, dumb fun popcorn movie. And I'm sure at the time when it came out, like if, I I never went and saw any of these X-Men movies in the theaters. I think I saw Spider-Man 2 in theaters. Mm-hmm. That was the I think that was my first theater superhero movie experience with Spider-Man 2. But like I imagine if I would have been a nerd at that time, I would have been excited. I wouldn't have thought about all of the stupid dumb plot holes because I didn't have X-Men Last Stand and X-Men Wolverine Origins at that time. That is true. It's like, if nerds only knew what a crap storm was coming at them, <laughs> it just like, they would be like, no, there's no way it's going to be that bad. Uh, and unfortunately, it ended up that bad. It's just Fox meddled too much and made everything that could have paid off brilliantly. Like, if X-Men Last Stand landed perfectly, and if Wolverine Origins also landed perfectly, this movie would make so much more sense. It would. Like, as far as all the setup stuff, anyway. Because that's what, like, those are the worst parts about this movie, is the things where they're setting up both Wolverine's past still, which they should have just resolved it in this one, and the Phoenix. Like, they're setting up both of those things, and they don't get paid off well at all. And so it makes Mm -hmm. this movie look a little bit worse but yeah it makes it unfortunate look bad and it's if like, you get around ah. those setup things it's actually a, in my opinion I, I i really enjoyed the movie still <laughs> and i'd be interested to see what you think what where would you put this in your ranking of all of the x-men movies or better yet uh we can just do them like as we go so like Compared to the first one, how would you put this movie? Better or worse? 
I, I, ooh, man, this is tough. Because the first one is definitely not as good as this one. However, plot-wise, this one's definitely not, definitely, it has holes. <laughs> Swiss cheese holes. It's, I don't know. I have to say right now, they're neck and neck. Like Or blue cheese holes. <laughs> I, I don't know. I I would put this one above X X Men. I would put X two above X Men personally. Okay. Again, I think if I go in watching it, don't think about all of the plot things. It actually is a very enjoyable film because the last one, you know, it was a little. It's it's dated. <laughs> this one, not as dated. Right. Um, I could be a, like a hundred percent biased in saying this, but I really do think that the second movie is better than the first one. Mm-hmm. So, well, see, I do have to tell you, if you were to go back when I was younger and ask me about X two, I loved all the action in it. Like I told you, you know, I love the scene when Wolverine, you know, he's going at it, he's going ham, and I think oh, that's like, the scene that that's like the holds best up to scene. me the most. Yeah, me too. And, like I loved all the action in it. Like I even liked the little fight between Wolverine and. Um, Lady Deathstrike because it's just dumb fun and I was a little kid right, Yeah, that's all I wanted to see to be honest when I was younger I wanted to see action stuff like that that's why I love movies like Star Wars the original Spider-Man trilogy. that's all anyone wanted to see in the early 2000s too <laughs> especially then anyway guys I hope that you enjoyed listening to us ramble on um, we went for a while a lot of this probably won't make it into the final cut just to save on time but we thank you if you did listen all the way and get ready for X-Men The Last Stand next week. It's going to be fun. (laughs) Connor, it's going to be an absolute jamboree of bashing on this film, unfortunately. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But we'll see. I'm sure there are some character moments we'll be able to be like, this was amazing. But other than that... I'm going to give it a fair shot. I am... I'm going to try my best to not bring any prior bias into it and just take it for what it is. But it's going to be hard. You know, it is. It's hard because we have, we're lucky to have all these X-Men movies and have the bad ones and the good ones. Yep. Given the history too, like there's so many movies since then. So it's just, I don't know. It's just going to be really easy to, bash on it mm-hmm. and we'll probably end up bashing on it let's be honest but like i said yeah, i'm gonna try my best to take it for what it is and enjoy it i think it's still probably gonna be fun to watch but yeah it probably isn't gonna hold up nearly as well as as mm-hmm. this one did in my opinion but go watch that and we're gonna let you guys go so um until next time you can find me on Instagram. I'm Conhey24. And I am Soggy Cereal Eater. And mm. apparently that's the only social media that we have because we're yeah, not advertising anything else. Just, but just follow us on Instagram. Maybe one day we'll have more. At I don't some know. point we'll have a social media page on some social media platform. But for now, <laughs> just watch us do our daily lives on the Instagrams. All right, guys, keep it real and go and seek some cinema. 
Excellent. Bye, everyone. Woo!